Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch live. Happy New Year. First show of 2021 with Derek and Captain Brunch. Here with Dustin Soul Glow Fraser. Raw, don't you do it. Don't fucking do it. I think they did it. I think they did it. Uh, yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 starts. 2021 starts off great, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I could taste that this is where this, this entire thing was going to be going. You know? <laughs> I wish I could have told you sooner, man. But yeah, they even caught me off guard with that one, which we'll get into a little bit later in the night for our West Coasters out there that I know are still listening to the show. But tonight, we will be discussing in detail uh, everything that's been happening in the week in wrestling, the uh, tribute show to Brody Lee that happened in AEW, everything happening in Royal. Smackdown Weeklies, as well as uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom. What was this? Wrestle Kingdom 15? Yep, night one. Wrestle Kingdom 15, night one. Which, uh, yeah, you know, that's going to be interesting. You're going to get to hear Destin uh, give you some coverage as far as that. You know, I know you guys with my schedule wondering those questions about whether or not I was going to watch it. Of course I fucking watched it. I've been covering Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom. on here. Since Wrestle Kingdom 8 And watching consistently since about 6 or 7 When there were no subtitles So yeah, of course I watched it And uh, we're going to get into that And a whole bunch of other fun things that have been going on I always like to start with something fun And this popped me Oh god Yeah uh, So apparently Let me make sure that I'm, I have this story correct here There was a uh, In Mexico or in the in the government in Irapuato, in Mexico, they hired some indie wrestlers called Lepra Moco, Gargajo, Gargajo, and Coastal Clown, and Garcia Jr. And if they catch you not wearing a mask, they'll throw a chair at you. So that's how in Mexico they enforce it. They enforce it lucha libre style. <laughs> it's awesome. So, yeah, if you, there's definite consequence. You're wearing a mask. And, you know, they take wearing masks very seriously in Lucha Libre anyway. So it was relatable. I'm sure that that's something that the government didn't even really need to explain too much. You know, they just <laughs> went up to them and they were mask, like, listen, fucking- we have these people out here and they're not wearing their mask when they're supposed to say no more, Ese. No, <laughs> that, say no more. Hey, why are you not wearing your mask? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I popped because I found footage of this shit. So let me put this Are you on the screen. Me? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's relive that for a minute. <laughs> That's awesome. That shit. We need that shit over here. Yeah, bring us that shit. 
throw motherfucking oh get oh I have a field day. I'd be sold. I'd be you walking, sold. Working, not wearing a mask, motherfucker. Poof. Yo, Karen, beware in Mexico. Write it down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how even before the tear part, I just like the walking part. It looks like one of those groups that you come across in The Walking Dead, you know, where you're hoping that they unmask and turn out to be okay. Like, look at that. Oh, man, here they come. <laughs> <laughs> you got your shit and pants on. <laughs> That's what it looks like. They look like a shit and pants group, right? <laughs> like, that classifies a shit and pants status right there. I would love to do that, man. I told you before, I have a video. I don't want to release it because I don't want to ruin somebody's career. Even though it's a little hypocritical of me. But yeah, I have an MTA worker sitting on the train with no mask. Pisses me off, man. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like we should just throw them on the tracks. And don't do that. I said that last time, but that's rhetorical. You gotta bring the SummerSlam here and throw it at him in the crazy. It's unbelievable, man. Like, just wear one, please. Jesus. It's not that difficult, people, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I thought this was special. It's fucking amazing. That was oh, God. So, yeah. If you see people wearing masks without masks, hit them with a chair. That's the best advice I can give. <laughs> you know what the bad part is? You might be rhetorical. I'm not. <laughs> wow. Bean his ass. <laughs> All right. So other things that have been happening. Apparently, Dutch Mantel got a little bit of heat. What did he do? What Dutch done did there? Let's see what this is here. He tweeted out. Apparently deleted afterwards, but you know the internet. The FBI just released a new finding in the Nashville bombing case that the bomber was not targeting the AT&T building. He was aiming for the old TNA offices a couple of blocks away. And he he tagged the BIS on J. Dutt, um, <clears throat> Dan, Dan Ang- Angler, Scott Damore, Jack Hager, and uh, the two-man power trip podcast. And then um, he deleted it. It's... Look... It's old man funny. I'm going to be careful with this because the people he tagged made it sort of funny as I read this. It was kind of like, wow, he tagged <laughs> tagged the bis. Old man funny. That's a, I don't feel like that's a level. Because you know them. They have no filter. Like That's very insensitive because, damn, didn't those bombings just happen? Yeah. Are they recent bombings? I don't even remember. Like, I lose track. It was maybe all like a week or so ago. And really? I was, it that same, was that that? Oh, no, no. Dutch. Oh, yeah. It was very recent. Bro. It, it was no later than two weeks. Dutch. No, no, no. And no, I know no, because no, no, my no, friend no. called me wondering if he uh, was able to reach me because apparently it screwed things up so bad. And sometimes if you lived like in Tennessee, lived like anywhere in like Kentucky or anything like that, Tennessee, you couldn't call people for a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. That's too soon. That's definitely what the definition of too soon is. No good, Dutch. No good. All right. Any other thoughts on this one before we move awkwardly on? We 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 go awkwardly shuffle away. I should have stacked that with the TNA part of the program. Oh my fucking god. Yes, and shouldn't be out here with the humor. It's not funny. Uh, anyway, moving along. Jordan Grace. You ever heard of her? Isn't that chick that Sonny doesn't like? <laughs> By the way, how's that OnlyFans doing, Sonny? Well, I mean, it's hard to manage. You know, I don't know if the, if the Wi-Fi can reach her. You stupid. <laughs> but apparently Jordan Grace, uh, let's see what happened here. She said she lost 500 followers, men mostly, because they thought she was transgender. I guess there was some comment section 
were, uh, they thought she was transgender. I didn't see the comment section. I have no idea. I didn't go ahead. Do you know anything about this story? No, this is, uh, this is news to me. Oh, Lord. I almost miss reviewing this shit before I come on here. All right, so let's see what this is. So the Dirt Sheets ringside is saying that she posted a photo comparison and then went on with her day. It was one of those, if you can't handle me at this, you don't deserve me at this photos. Oh, yeah, I know those ones. You know what I'm talking about? Which, why do... That's my one complaint about professional wrestlers. Why do they all participate in those silly things? I complain that people participate in them. But then wrestlers, if you can't have me like this, they don't seem like this. But anyway, whatever was in this photo comparison, it apparently made uh, it made people question whether she was uh, transgender. And uh, 500 people unfollowed her. And she said, something bizarre happened after I posted this on Instagram. I lost 500 followers, mostly men, because they thought I was transgender. Comment section is wild. Sad to say, I'm just kind of ugly sometimes. I'm not even mad. Bye, transphobes. You don't have any thoughts to that? That was, damn. I kind of almost wish I would have seen which one she mentioned, because, like, I don't see anything about Jordan Grace that could make me think, oh, she used to be a dude. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. That's just how on guard people are in this new world. I'm motherfucker be ready. You know? You look like you possibly might have. Yeah, let's not even go. Let's not even go. <laughs> you might have been keeping something from us. Information. Relevant information. You got secrets? <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. That is that is good, man. That is really good. I'm not proud of that one at all, just for the record. So do you so what's your opinion on the fact that these people, five hundred people dropped her because they thought she was transgender and now she considers them transphobes? Like that's one of those things where it's like it seemed more like a just like a snap decision to like just unfollow her out of the blue. Like if you've been a fan of her that long, like especially with all that, how a lot of these wrestlers are, they're pretty open about their lives on social media. So it's like you would think, and especially the way the wrestling world has gotten to where you can almost find out just about anything about everybody, you'd think you'd hear about something like that by now. But then again, I guess not, because I mean, we didn't know the whole thing with Nyla Rose forever until she wanted to mention it. But even then, like, I need more of a reason to unfollow somebody than that. Yeah. No, I know what you like, mean. It's just, it's, it's just, it's especially considering that if you watch her wrestle, that's probably the, that's one of the last things on my mind at that moment. So I want to play devil's advocate because I always have to do that. What if the reason why people unfollow her is not because they're transphobes, but because they thought they were following a woman and instead they were following a man or or a transgender person, or whatever the case. It wasn't the gender that they intended on following. Is it still wrong that they unfollowed then? If their preference at the time was to use that account to follow a female wrestler by the definition of a gender and genitalia, and when they didn't have that on their preference, they unfollowed. They didn't say anything bad, those that didn't. They just unfollowed. Still no good? See, if you look at it that way, it makes it, it at least gives more of a thought process to it. 
like it makes it say it makes it if it if it were to be if that were to be the case, it's definitely more thought out. Right. So then it's kind of like it comes down to more of a preference thing at that point. But but it doesn't even have to be thought out like that. You know what I mean? It couldn't be on a conscious level. It doesn't have to be with malice. What I'm saying is maybe they didn't want to follow a transgender person. They wanted yeah. they were following chicks because they're into chicks and uh, not in a perverted way, but maybe they were attracted to girls uh, that are in the traditional sense, and they just chose to unfollow. I don't know if I would just um, what's the word? I'm I don't know if I would trans shame them. I guess that's right. that's something that we don't do. Like like there's not trans shaming. Where it's like you, because someone portrays it or deals with it differently, you don't really shame them. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Because that's sort of what I feel like has been happening, like in a lot of these cases. Like this one, this one is a good example. Where it's like, oh, you know, they automatically go transform. There's a lot of reasons. Maybe they didn't want to deal with the drama on the page. Who knows? Who really knows? Like a lot of things stirred from it. But again... I just found it to be really weird when I heard this story. And I do find it weird that that many people would unfollow her for a couple of reasons. My number one reason is I find it weird that that many people wouldn't know for sure, like you said, whether or not this was a gender um, specific female. And I also find it weird that that many people got fooled into thinking that they were wrong. Like if you're a man, and I've said this on here before, as a male, it's unexplainable and i think as a female you can identify with it too it's biology it's nature in the sense that you just would know in a lot of ways you know what i mean it doesn't really even have to do with anything else it's just like you you just kind of would know like someone shouldn't be able to do that and you just fall for it i guess you know what i mean like you don't know you yourself don't know where you are yeah, it make any sense? Kind of, it's not hard to figure out <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was weird. The, the entire situation. And again, I'm a firm believer in free will. Full disclosure, because I know recently I was once again, which this comes up every few months just because people can't let go. I was once again uh, called transphobic and a transphobe and all this other trans stuff. When uh, I've always said I'm a firm believer in free will on here in the sense that whatever your gender, however you live, as long as you're not harming anybody. However, I also do believe, and I've said on here, that you can have philosophical and scientific and even political and religious differences between each other and have civil discourse about it. Meaning you don't necessarily have to agree with somebody's lifestyle or sexuality, but that doesn't give you the right to slander them. You shouldn't just spit derogatory stuff at them, throw shit at them, scream at them across the street, you know, do anything that you, that's deliberate to hurt them. But if you want to have a debate with them on a biological level about hormones and genes and gender and stuff like that, and even if at the end of that, the two of you come to opposing views, that should be completely acceptable. And you should both have the right to voice those views without anybody being perceived as evil or bad or phobic for having their views. Because the, the the flip side in contrast to that is when you're race shaming, gender shaming, trans shaming, you know what I mean? Like you're shaming people into things that they may not necessarily even be categorized that, which then it becomes, um, ironically, the heel becomes the baby face and the baby face becomes the heel because now you have a, a, a mob of people that are like all 
attacking one person because they're not thinking and acting like the mob of people. Isn't that ironic? Anybody ever think about <laughs> the really fact that is. that's the way that it turns out each time? You start off with people that are fighting to all be different and unique. And then when someone doesn't think exactly like that group of people, they're automatically classified as the enemy. So then that's an endless loop psychologically. So again, with me, I always have said that you're, you should be able to how, live however you want to be, however you are, and be allowed to do so, and not have anybody without any provocation just be nasty to you, scream at you, shout at you, hurt you, or do anything. But they should be allowed to civilly, in a discussion, whether you're included or not, but if it's brought up, they should have the right to disagree without being part of cancel culture or hate culture or anything else. This is true. This is very, very true. Yeah. So that that's something that bothers me. Because like I said, I've been called trans. Here's the thing. We, we've had somebody who used to call in on here. And that person uh, changed, apparently changed genders. And we, we stopped having them on here deliberately. It wasn't by mistake. Like we, we made a conscious decision. We didn't want this person on here. And um, and in classic fashion, whenever someone has something different, they made it about that when it was never about that. It never had anything to do with them transitioning or any of that, whether we agreed with it or not. They were allowed to call in and they were given some liberties and some help with their own projects while they were here. Like we never got anything from bringing people on and helping them with their own podcasts and having them be on the air and plugging their shows. We never really got anything like they called in. It's like they didn't contribute when I hear them use the phrases that they were working for us or working with us. Like calling in is calling in. You called into a, a live feed. Great. But that's the extent of the contributions. You know, don't go Tomasa Champa patting yourself too fucking much here. So more than the accusation of being transphobic, I hate when people classify themselves as former employees because they were able to press a call button. Like, let's be real here. I appreciate that kind of, you know, I appreciate having callers and participants, but you know what I mean? If you're stacking me on your resume, homie, then whether or not I'm phobic of anything is the least of your problems. Am I making sense? Picture perfect sense. Yeah. So like I said, we've had people on here and the reason why we got rid of, and I mean, this is the case, this has nothing to do with Jordan Grace aside from the transphobic thing that happened with her. Has nothing to do with Jordan. By the way, Jordan Grace isn't even transgender. Yeah, this has to do with Jordan. Jordan, the regular Jordan. Anyone who's long time listener knows that Jordan. I'm not going to use last names right here, but it has to do with that Jordan, which we stopped using the guy, girl, whatever, because of the fact that he would, she would, at the time he would be drunk on the air. You know, straight up just drunk, inebriated. We still have audio. We've had to pull him off because. He was drunk. And you guys know how I feel about alcohol and about alcohol abuse and about not being able to handle your shit. And we spoke multiple times behind the scenes. Tons of heart to hearts. Practically handheld them through the process of everything that we do on here by ourselves. And uh, at the end of the day, we just couldn't do it anymore, man. We couldn't do it. We, we just stopped dealing with it. We stopped having him on. We were cordial enough to just leave the chat room open where it was like, all right, he can hang out in the chat room. And at the end of the day, that wasn't even good because most of you, 99% of you, would PM me and DM me and every M me because he didn't want him here around. I was getting complaints. I was getting complaints about him on the air because of the interrupting. I was getting complaints about just the awkwardness, the social awkwardness. And uh, 
I was getting just overall complaints. So it's not like it's one of those things where everyone's not comfortable because of the mob mentality. It's one of those things where no one's comfortable out loud talking about the people like that because they don't want to have to deal with them. So no one really says it out loud but me. So I sort of was villainized by him. And that's what I mean about this entire thing. When you have that kind of shit happen, because at the end of the day, and I've heard this from a lot of sources that I'm not going to disclose, but people who are in these communities, for example, whether it's a black community or a lesbian community or a gay community or a trans community, the ones that are the strongest representatives of those communities are seldom the ones that you're actually hearing vocalize themselves to the extent that people like him do. Contrary to popular belief, most of the times, the people that are in these communities are cringing at the behavior of the people that are representing them. So in layman's terms, what I'm saying is that there are people, whether you're gay, trans, whatever, that act normal, that look at the way that he acts and the way he behaves on social media and think, well, what a fucking moron. And, and I know that because I have friends in all of these communities and they fucking said it. So this I'm never bias towards a type of person or even a type of community sometimes there are bad apples in there and i just felt that he was a bad apple way before way before we knew about anything to do with that kind of stuff and anyone who's been here for a long time knows that because we've had behind the scenes talks about how to deal with someone being drunk and disorderly. And as much as we're edgy, a lot of the stuff that was said was always inappropriate. And this is the point of me bringing this up. I'm not even salty because it happened so long ago. And uh, it was my pleasure to get rid of his ass. But, uh, you know, the point of me bringing this kind of stuff up is that there's the loophole there. And that's the reason why I say don't be quick to judge everybody as a phobe unless you know them. Because all of the shit that I told you and at the end of the day, what did, what do you do? Said, oh, it was because I, I got got rid of because I because they, they they were transphobic when that was never what the issue was, ever. And it wasn't him that got rid of us. And it was another thing, and that's like, another thing. Yeah. People like that, he had mental issues. He has mental issues because he couldn't let go of it after all that time. But that was the other thing that was bad about this entire thing, just the way that uh. It, afterwards, it was portrayed as I, I made the best decision of my life to stop to stop calling in with these guys. Let's clarify right now. He <laughs> slowly, and <laughs> I gotta jump in on this one because I swear, I swear you're having too much fun with this one. But uh, he slowly started, first of all, slick shit talking on social media to the point where it's like, I think even Rick pointed out to me one day, you could tell he was talking shit about us, but didn't outright say it. And then on top of that, just slowly, slowly, slowly blocking us and D- getting rid of us sort of things. Stuff. And it the was... problem that it is, he got caught. Yeah, it was just the tongue-in-cheek stuff and the and the, and really, we didn't really react. Our reaction was just like, well, we're, we're not going to deal with this person. you know. But the moment we did that, there was no falling. The moment we did that, it was like, hey, Rick is transphobic. I was told what I the way that I treat people of trans is worse than the, the segregation that black people went through in the 1940s or whatever. This kind of shit is what I was told. And it was just like, dude, first of all, do that, whatever. First of all, it was literally the drinking and the alcoholism, which I've been vocal about this entire time. But the point that I make, I digress. I don't want to use the personal stuff as too much of an example, is that there are instances where people will misrepresent 
communities that are otherwise don't have mob mentality and open their minds and actually look at both sides of the equation and see that there are two sides to a story but they're very seldom represented they usually come off like the way jordans do where they're just toxic as fuck and you can tell they're unhappy through their tweets and their anger and shit and they, they just think they're representing something that they're not and they're trying so hard to be a part of something fucking anything that they'll just pick whatever the fuck will accept them you know, and that's what I what I feel bad. There's, there's a difference, and it's unfortunate that it's like the, these people, like you know, sort of hide within communities. You know, masquerading, moonlighting as whatever this community is that they claim to classify as, but really what they are is fucking crazy. And I'm not talking about the communities, about the people in 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 his case that are just stealth hiding in them. But the point being that when that happens, the first thing they're gonna do is say, "Oh, you're you're racist, or you're transphobic, or you're homophobic, or you're." You know, you hate midgets, whatever the fuck the thing is that happens is going to be what they use. And that's what bothers me, because anyone who knows me knows that I don't really care about any of that. I'm, I'm one of the most open people in the world. Having a biological or a scientific conversation is different with me from having a religious or philosophical conversation. You know what I mean? There's different layers to shit. So when I when I hear these kind of things, it it upsets me. It really pisses me off, to be completely honest with you. Especially when you add on the fact, and I think we might have even told this story once before, not maybe, what, an hour earlier? He's asking first you and then me to be on one of the post shows, and both of us just didn't even acknowledge it? Like, hey, I'm sober. I'm ready to go on the air now. That was the message I got. I didn't even, t- I didn't even share with you. You didn't even share with me, and we both got the same one. And it was like, because no, right. we, we knew we weren't in that place anymore, which we're not in that place now, you know? And I, I was talking to a friend in, in, in real life about this today, and I was saying, you know, the, the viewership as far as the podcasting goes is, is higher than when we had a group, and it's easier to do than when we had a larger group with me taking on the task that a lot of other people were doing. And that wasn't even someone who was contributing anything, just calling occasionally. So, you know, just to clarify that, and I and I left with no animosity. It was just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to deal with this anymore. That was my 2021 thing. I didn't want to deal with any drama. But you got to be careful about when people misrepresent communities uh, just to be able to get virtual signaling if you guys don't remember i told you about virtual signaling it's when people tweet and post things just because they know that it's popular opinion they're going to get the approval of likes and friends that's who that person is that's the reason why they're not on here anymore i don't want assholes like that around and uh it's a testament to me that that's the that's what people are going to do they're going to cry the first thing that they're going to do is is cry whatever it is that could be the segregated topic never even occurring to them that maybe they're just a shit person the person just doesn't like you sometimes it's just that simple you know if i'm going to be guilty of anything because i've never held my tongue on hand i've never claimed to be a good guy i've always said there's no good good or bad right or wrong light or dark there's just shades of circumstances it's been my my philosophy on life if i'm guilty of anything it's not liking that motherfucker and the reason I didn't like that motherfucker was because he was a disappointment and because he was annoying and he was nasty and he was gross. And it was just a complete fucking turn off to be around somebody like that, not in a sexual way, but just in a fucking life way. And I didn't feel good. My energy felt really bad. I ask because people keep asking me about it when this comes up. So that's why I'm bringing it out during this segment. But my energy felt really bad. I don't want to come on here on a show that actually costs money, time, and resources in order to produce and be with someone that makes me feel fucking terrible, you know? And that's what it really came down to. 
Destin could put him on a blonde wig tomorrow and he's welcome on the fucking show whenever because Destin never made me feel absolutely miserable to exist. Like being in the energy of that fucking guy. That's the God's honest truth, man. That's the truth. Don't you tempt me. No, boy. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm just being complete. I swear to you guys, that's the truth. I always, always felt terrible around that person. I hated the way we all used to have to stop talking in the middle of a fucking conversation so that he could break in with like some shittiness stuff that nobody in the room gives half of a fuck about that's not transphobic that's stupophobic <laughs> that's asshole phobic but you see i just don't want to be labeled as something that i'm not for having perspective on things you know yeah but people honestly people, the problem with people like that is when they keep it real then reality kicks in and they understand how shitty they are so they have to throw something like that at you so they don't have to face their own fucking reality dude you know how many times when everyone else was being adolescent about things i've just not thrown people under the bus for anything for me to be labeled that's what bothers me because you know me i've never i kind of like wearing that bad guy label that nickname that rick mcmahon it's label fun. And everything it's fun i like it call me it's, it's awesome i love the i love the fucking stories and the tales i'll be everything. one of the stooges i don't give a shit yeah, but you know how, how much it, 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 it annoys me when I when all that kind of shit happens and it's like all based on fiction when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because I've always been a firm believer. Like look at the amount of opportunities I had. Like, look at the page stuff, for example. Like we we ribbed on the fact that it was leaked and on but never on what she did. Like never slut shamed. I was always very specific about that here, but my issue with the way she reacted was uh just that she acted ashamed and upset and you know just sort of felt sorry for herself for which is of course a logical reaction but i always felt that she could just not give people that and ironically i was in her twitch chat yesterday and she was talking openly about how she doesn't want people to see her like that which to me was a growth that she went through of realizing at the end of the day when she fucks up not to just look sorry for herself. And that's all I ever really said. I didn't care that she had sex with guys or whatever the fuck. Who cares? Everybody does. I always talked about it. I didn't care that it was on film. I didn't care if it was deliberate or not. A lot of people threw her under the bus for that. Because yeah, it gets up attention. Yeah. So that's what I mean. At the end of the day, I'm a firm believer. As long as she wasn't hurting anybody. Again, and you guys have heard me talk about this as somebody that lives in New York. When you have to worry about people, which is getting worse. I hear all the time people just randomly just fucking picking a random person and just attacking them literally one dude just started attacking people randomly like he ran up to somebody and just started attacking them with a fucking bat and then when he was done with them he ran up to another person pulled them out of their car beat them with a bat got in their car drove smashed into another car a few blocks away and then the cops caught him it's some gta shit he had like five stars this is legit i can link you to these stories that I tell you. Anytime you hear me tell you a news story, I can confirm that individual fucking news clip. None of these will you have to search. If I've ever said it on here, it's somewhere in my history. These just are shoots. You know what I mean? This is the kind of shit that has been happening in the city. People randomly doing crazy shit like that. Random gun violence and stuff like that. I'm not going to care what people are doing or what they're, what gender they want to be or what gender they are or who they're having sex with in a world with its very real problems you know what i mean like those are distractions my real focus is on the dangers the obvious dangers that i see all the time and i mean all the time dude it looks like gotham city sometimes there was a video i saw recently where in manhattan a whole bunch of people attacked the car literally the car in the middle of the city can you imagine in the middle of busiest manhattan 
they had bikes and they jumped on the windshield and you could see them stomping on the windshield. They were holding their bikes over their head and slamming it down as hard as they could on the top of the car, jumping up and down, attacking the side. It was like a mob of people, dude. A mob of people. People have been getting sent for more mental evaluations and shit than ever. There's serious shit going on out there. I don't really care what dress you wear. At least try to get rid of the fucking five o'clock shadow just as a suggestion. But either way, I wouldn't like judge you like in a bad way. <laughs> I had to add a little humor somewhere in this talk run. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to work in there eventually. I just didn't know where. Like, I don't care about that. I'll give you beauty advice. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point. I just wanted to disclose to you guys. And also, as far as political affiliation, because the other thing was when we get spammed in the chat room that was Trump lover and all this other shit. Like, I've never had any political affiliations. And I've said this before, and it's the last time I'm going to say it, uh, you know. I think that both parties are interchangeable, always have been. But I'm just saying that currently I saw the Democratic Party doing some shady shit in order to stay in power. And it was obvious shady shit that was being ignored, specifically because of the majority hatred for Republicans and Donald Trump. It was a lot of uh, just people just not looking at things, you know, or looking the other way at, at shit that was done. And whatever. It's it's whatever. But by me acknowledging that, I was automatically put in a, a political affiliation, which I could give a shit politically. Because at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, there may be people out there that can say that throughout their years, whatever the president is that they've had and whatever the political party has affected their life one way or another. I am not one of those people. And I'm not sure a lot of people who are passionate about this aren't either. They're full of shit. So in hindsight, it hasn't really changed too much because of how interchangeable the parties are. My life, I can't, I never look back at my life and go, man, those, those Washington years or what is in Washington? How old would I be? But don't you know those Bush years or those Clinton years? Washington. Or those Obama years. I don't know why I went to Washington. I was thinking George, you know, or those Obama years. You know what I mean? Like you never go back and you look at that. If anything, I'll go back and be like, yeah, what was I doing during Mania 27? I'll, I'll sooner date shit with wrestling than I would by political administrations. So, you know, like I said, I just a lot of misconceptions about me, which I feel like that's what a lot of people are going through right now. When you see a lot of cancel culture, when you see people being called racist and transphobic and all that other shit, sometimes it's just that the other person's pissed at them. And I just wanted to give you myself as an example so that you could use that for thought. Not for me, because I could give a fuck if you think that I am phobic of anything or not. Again, you know, I'm one of those people that doesn't care too much about judgment like that. Um, and I could care if you think that that it was uh, whether I was wrong or not. It's more so you can see the perspective of and apply it to other scenarios. There might be other celebrities or wrestlers or writers or streamers or people that you know that have been labeled as some sort of phobic. And it's just been done because the other person felt resentment by them the way Jordan did with us. He felt shitty because we never let him back on him. That's the reality. And at the end of the day, they had no other way to deal with it. So the way that he did was by manifesting that shit into something that didn't really exist. Yeah. Then that's what happens. So I'm just saying at the end of the day. And you know what? If you think that I'm like I was an asshole either way, that's great. But I'm just saying apply it to other people. There's a lot of scenarios where sometimes someone's just pissed off and it's easy. It's easy to play that card, you know, if anything, the reason why, why, why that person was tolerated as long as they were was because when they were approached about all the alcoholism and blatant on air drunkenness, their justification at the time was that they were in the middle of doing this in the middle of coming out. And apparently we were the first people that were, we were this closest information to which we kept quiet for like a year about. 
until they were comfortable with it. And because at the point that conversation was a, was a release conversation. It was a conversation where it was like, look, buddy, you're drinking too much. We're going to cut you loose because you're drunk and belligerent on a public forum and we don't like it. This was the discussion. There's logs, recordings. I could back up everything that I'm saying. And what saved that future endeavor was actually that saying, Hey, no, listen, it's that I'm going through this and us going, Oh, well, so if you're going through that, we're, you know, we're going to try to, you know, work with you. You see what I mean? So it's like contrary to it being all oh, because he doesn't like it. No, that's, that's actually what extended the shitty experience, the shitty, grim, morbid, horrible, grueling, tedious fucking experience of having that person here was extended because of my sympathy because of his situation. Okay. That joint must have felt good. <laughs> So again, when you see things in the wrestling world, the gaming world, communities, whatever, where people are saying, don't always assume it because you guys know, anyone who listens to this knows I'm not any kind of phobic. I'm asshole phobic. This is true. And like dice phobic because of a battlefield thing, but you know. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, anyway. What bad bunnies in the video of Booker T? What's bad bunny? Is that heel? Is that heel fucking Alley? Butcher and Blake? (laughs) That's some fucking artist or something like that. Bad bunnies with Booker T, so it's not Butcher Blade bunny related? No, 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 no. Let me see what this bad bunny shit People is. People actually know who Allie is. This is music related. I don't want to play too much on here. I don't want to get DMCA'd. Let me try to, I'm going to try to run it behind the scenes for a minute, behind the curtain, to see what the hell we're looking at here. Okay. Oh, shit. It is, there is Booker T in here. Look at this. Hold on. Let me bring this like up for a minute. bro or something like that? He is, is he GI bro? Or see, I don't know. Some music's already starting and shit here. But yeah, there he is as a as a GI bro. Is he GI bro? <laughs> it looks like a GI bro, right? Yeah, that's GI bro. Okay, so that's the song. Now you guys get a All general right. idea All of, right. of the song. Wow, look at him, it's Booker. Can you dig it? Oh my god. I wonder what makes what made this happen, right? So many different ideas from so many different eras. Dancing Spanish guy, Booker T, and GI Bro attire. Does he do anything in this video? I have no idea. Like, it's almost halfway done. What I is, think that's what, all I think. That's what is Booker's it. part? Bullshit. Let's jump ahead a little bit. Is that the whole gimmick? Ooh, look, he raised his <laughs> eyebrows there. Oh, shit. No way. <laughs> is the whole video Booker just there? Oh, look, he squeezes. Oh, look, he danced a little at the end. Look, he got into it. He's getting into it. There you go, Booker. Go, Booker. Let's hear this music. Yeah, Booker. That motherfucker said, don't you oh, wait, know look, why? Look, hold on. He did something at the end there. Oh, he... You see, they did it. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. All right. Bye. <laughs> That must have been the easiest money Booker ever made. Right. All you gotta do is dance for like the last like thirty seconds of the video. And you what kind of dance? Just whatever you can think of. Sucker. Oh my god. But yeah, sorry if that rant went on too long. But we were overdue for one for the new year. And honestly, I'm just tired of all of the uh, the labeling. Everybody's homophobic and racist and all. It's like not always the case, man. Sometimes people use that shit. And it's just annoying to hear bitter people still bringing us up. Like we even mentioned them. Yeah, like that was so long ago. Some there people well, who listen to this. Is, there people who listen to this who don't even know who that is. You know how long ago that shit was. 
freaking weekly player that Ashley came in here was like, who? Yo, my friend who I've known for years was like, who? <laughs> like, that was like a... We didn't even have a screen. There was no visual screen during that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he was just bad. Damn, I mean, that was so like, long ago. But no, just the fact oh. that it came up again. My name, I'm not even going to mention where or how. Or it came up again. Oh, this Rick guy is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Keep in mind, people, this is the same guy who, when it was announced that Mixer was closing down, this guy jumped on his little bandwagon talking about some, oh, at least their biggest platform was getting destroyed. Guess what? We're still here. And, and we're bigger than we were on that platform. <laughs> That's funny. Right. It's It probably counts for less on a bigger platform, but even so, we're bigger there than we ever were there. We're bigger here than we ever were there. So so, And I don't even count that. I care more about the the quality than the quantity of my community. I care about the people. The ones that are in the chat room now that talk regular or even type every now and then, that like one of those is worth like a thousand of like, I just shouldn't, shouldn't say that, throw them off the bus, but we're, you know, when you look at it in ratio to on demand, you know, People who will stay up nocturnally like we do to listen to the live feed. That's fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, like if you're going to say something that ignorant, it but that, that was the greatest thing that I ever heard. And, I, and that was another reason why oh, I didn't want anyone like that, that you told me about because, it. Oh. because it was kind of like, oh, they lost their strongest community. Like, no, I actually, people who are within the strong circle of our community directly DM us. And we talk to them and we socialize with them. Sometimes they're in our games. They know they can join us in activities. So, it was just great how there was that perception from haters of mixers gone. So that was it. We weren't going to, for how are we going to figure this out? Even though we fucking built everything from literally nothing. How are we going to get out of this one? Like we don't have not only all of our different freaking, uh, social medias, by the way, so go Frazier, but, um, <laughs> well, I guess that's it. You know, we can't do it anymore. Right? Like, 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 we can't communicate this stuff. And like the people no who are in this chat room, like the EBs and the Willies and the AC, like they won't tell other people, hey, they're not gone. They're just over here. Think we, before we you speak, dipshit. <laughs> we moved chat rooms multiple times. But again, the point being, when that little bit of negative energy was put out there, when Mixer did its thing, which we just calmly, we just went, all right, guys, we're going to do, you guys heard the audio. You know, just the fact that there were people going, ha, 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 talk, run like which to me that shit is petty like can you imagine like if that's even a highlight because it's not like we're by no means nbc like i know we have some somewhat of a community but when your highlight of your day is more ha 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 this is the end for talk brunch you, i'm kind of worried Christ, I'm gonna sit there around. i can't wait to hop about twitter more ha 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 that's the other twin peaks. not only would i make me make this shit last forever just so that you could go to your grave hating me but you know it's not gonna really do anything negative at all you know like now nah, just keep it Fucking, we're gonna show up at your funeral and put out all you recorded on the last episode. <laughs> the most Take it with you to the grave, motherfucker. Tag you in it. Every every year, we're gonna drop all the audio at your grave. Just You're gonna have to delete your memorial account so that we stop tagging you in our fucking stuff. <laughs> now that is petty. That's some sad. See, that's how you petty, you know? You'll be gone and I'll still be tagging you and shit. You have no control over it now. You're not going to be able to remove these tags. You better you better pass that shit to a better relative. Because if I don't like you and you're gone, I'm going to tag you and shit forever. I'm going to rickroll you all the time because you can't reject it. <laughs> oh, that's where you guys. <laughs> be the greatest fucking memory. I'll share that shit every year. Three years ago. Here live, Jordan. And by the way, talk brunch Monday nights at 11.30. We're going to take that shit literally. We're never going to give you up. Shit, no game. Never gonna let you down. God damn it. <laughs> it's satire because I know people hate tuning in now. It's satire. 
They're still giving the views. I don't give a shit. Yeah, Stacey said that to her. It sounds like someone should stop being a lemon and be a rose. But I agree, man. Like, I don't know where that comes from out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like a parrot. Oh, brunch. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, jackass. Yeah. I would plug your comic book show, but I mean, yeah, that ain't working too well. Yeah, my, you mean mine? All right, man. You, you How know long is it going right. to take for you to for you to get the the upload up? Five, six days? No, seven. <laughs> it was seven. Right. We 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 stopped at seven. Seven Yo, days. Great. Just mail me a life. fucking USB stick with the episode. Like, I'm sorry. You know it's bad, and we're we get off the guys soon. I promise. But like, you know it's bad when me, who doesn't know shit about comics, is asked to come on the show because everything has fallen the fuck apart. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. Rick messaged me. He goes, dude, you can hop on the show with Jordan. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I don't know anything about. No, just, just hop on the show. I call it. I don't say shit. <laughs> but of course, before I trusted you to be on the comic show, Destin, I had to check whether or not you had the proper genitalia, right? Isn't that what happened? <laughs> I was like, hold on. Yeah, we went behind the glass screen. He took a peek and it was like, all right, cool. All right, you're good. Get in there, bro. <laughs> now what fucking happened? Sorry. Oh my god! I can't, I can't wait till somebody tweets about that one. Oh, you checked it. Just tag me in it at least. Get them tweets out. There, what man. makes a man? Is it the tweeting his hand? Go hey, read see, I, in see, his I, story. I, I, I just take it one step further. I just play fucking William Regal's old music. Oh Stop. Moving on to next to Rey Mysterio celebrating New Year's. This is Rey Mysterio. Yay! What do we got here? beautiful fastest segue ever right but yeah there's mysterious having fun having a good time you know they always look like they have a lot of money and fun ray seems like i'm one of the most frugal people where it's just like he don't spend that much money if he don't got to no they seem like they spend they 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 live the good life man have you seen i seen i was i was watching that it was like a cribs of ray mysterio I remember that one. Was it on YouTube? Must have been on the YouTube channel or on the network or something. But whatever it was, man, that dude has that dude is living a good life. Trust me, he is like a he lives one of those John Cena esque fucking lifestyles. There's no there's no bullshit here. You know what I mean? He's not living like King of Queens life here. You know the bad part? He still probably just goes to the fucking grocery store, coupons all the hell. I don't know, bro. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> they, they didn't that that house that that whole setup i mean it was ridiculous it was like this kind of shit that you would see like in if you visualize like alberto the real's house looks like in a palace the, the, the workhouse or the shoe house either they both look the same it looked like the work look like the, the workhouse actually i think about it you know mister i mean think about it. it's ray mysterio yeah that dude like had i feel like for him the amount he would have to spend in his time in, in the way he lives his life that's like nothing that's like the equivalent of just like me who just like freaking living cheap and shit like this what you guys need to understand and a lot of people should already know it my generation should know it but it's pretty much an understatement is it's like you're 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 analyzing the wealth of the greatest luchador that has ever lived you know what i mean like just to put into context what we're doing here you know what i mean like this isn't how much money does Drew McIntyre make or, you know, how much money. Like, you're analyzing the money of globally 
not just in the U.S., the greatest luchador that has ever lived. This is probably, he's probably the greatest luchador of all time. He is the greatest wrestler under 200 pounds. Like, the freaking the godfather. They really, they call him Rey Mysterio, king of mystery. El Rey. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, like, so, yeah, he he has a lot of cash. People who aren't the greatest luchador that ever lived have a lot of cash. And not many people can say that shit. And when you really look at it, I'm talking like any race. It's not even like it's one of those things where, well, man, if you were to go back and look at 1980 Ray or you look at Nitro Ray or if you look at Raw Ray, you know, they are all different for sure. But to be honest, if you put a knee brace on that motherfucker right now and give him like a fucking uh, well, a shot in his leg, I bet you he'll put on like one of the greatest matches that you ever see like tomorrow night. You know what I mean? Like he's at that level of, of greatest. So, yes, he makes a significant amount of money, you know. I think she might have bought herself that Porsche or whatever she bought she of the Ferrari. could have, shit. Yeah, but it's probably with that money either way. I mean, it's all Mysterio money. It's our dad's money. It's our money. You know, Booyaka. <laughs> That's that Booyaka money. All right. Well, we're going to get into some fun stuff now because news time. We're going to get into some of the comings and goings. Comings and goings within the wrestling world. And we're going to start with one that we spoke about a little bit in the chat room. We're going to start with your boy, Sammy Callahan. There's some big contract news with Sammy Callahan coming up. In case you guys haven't been getting your Sammy Callahan fix, well, don't worry. That is about to change because you're going to get a nice big dosing of him. Because he tweeted that he's going to be staying in impact with his new two-year deal. I bet there's a lot of you whose heart jumped and thought that you were going to be watching AEW or NXT Sammy Callahan again. <laughs> but no, he's staying with Impact Wrestling. He said, today marks when I would have been a free agent. I just re-signed with Impact Wrestling two years for big money. I got other offers, but I don't give a damn. This is my company. I made this company. I'll be champion again in 2021. Go for it, bro. Go for it. Hang out right there. With no fans where nobody could see you. Hang out right there. You're good. I know some people like him. He's not my taste. It never has been. It's nothing personal towards the current thing. I felt this way when he was involved. He kind of fit certain aspect of his character. I've always enjoyed, but I mean, yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So. But yeah, definitely there's nowhere else he could go and really fit in. Like NXT the was only, definitely the, the, the if, wrong if, fit if he with went him to with AEW, that, with that uh, Solomon Crow shit. Yeah. And then uh, Lucha Underground, he was Jeremiah Crane, which. But you know what, that's, that's that to me, it's one of those times when I look at things and I have to scratch my head where it's kind of like, really, Sammy Callahan didn't work out for you guys? You don't say. Like, it took for you to do what? <laughs> to put him through the Performance Center and have him on NXT how many times? Oh, man. How did you finally realize it? What was the trigger that made you realize that this isn't going to work? Because I knew before you knew who he was, <laughs> you know? There's certain people that just don't fit into that mold, and Sammy's one of them. Yeah, he really is. It's unfortunate for him, but Impact's one of the places he fits in. Yeah, 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 it is. It works. Only because Impact has changed. He wouldn't have fit into the old Impact. Even the Impact. Yeah, the old Impact, he wouldn't fit. Like, this Impact is, is trying too hard to be like ECW in a lot of ways. It reminds me of ECW and CZW. You know, and with the backstage shit reminding me of Chikara. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what we're looking at, honestly. It's like just weird, man. Yeah. 
I just don't see the purpose in wanting to start resign with a show that nobody watches, though. Like, yeah, their ratings are like, really yeah. low. Like nobody watches, they have no fans. But in other news, we talked about this last week. A lot of contracts were up. One of them being Ethan Page, who is no longer with Impact. Holy shit, we haven't hit that in forever. Yeah, there you go. They said that uh, he didn't sign a new deal. So the North is now officially split up. But he said that uh, he'll still be teaming with Josh Alexander, no matter what they're called. Um, uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's done. Yeah, can't wait to see where he goes next, though, because this dude is a hell of a talent. Yeah, I guess. So before I bring up some of these other announcements, it's important for us to understand contractually where everybody stands. So according to Fightful, and this has been in the air for a couple of weeks, so it's probably not rumor at this point. Uh, WWE's entire mindset has changed the same way the world's mindset has changed. And uh, they're no longer in that mode that you have seen them in for the throughout this whole pandemic where they're trying to hoard as much talent as they used to. I think they just realized that it doesn't really work. So the good news to that is that they're no longer hoarding talent. The bad news to that is that now the contracts that are being offered are fucking lowballed. So... They're shorter deals than they used to be, where before they were trying to keep people for longer, you're getting shorter deals with less money, really. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, they're okay with not fucking having you again. So we're back there. And uh, also, according to Fightful, they offered several new contracts in mid to late 2020 that were viewed as disappointing compared to the high dollar deals that they were handing out in 2019 and 2020 when they didn't want people going to AEW. Reportedly, at least half a dozen talent shuffled their feet a bit or just straight up declined these new contracts. Some of them saying that they were going to wait until things quote unquote get normal before they sign any new deals. So... You're going to have a bunch of free agents that don't want to sign WWE contracts that are either going to sit at home or they're going to show up in other places. And this is happening pretty soon. So get ready for there to be some changes there. And just to give you an example of changes that you're going to probably see if they're not willing to fork out the big bucks. We probably talked about this about a year ago, but Lawler was quoted as saying in 2019, my contract is up every year on January 10th. On the 8th, I hadn't heard a word. I sent the text to Kevin Dunn and said, my contract is up the day after tomorrow, and I just want to know where we stood. The very next day, I got a new contract in the mail, not only one year, but a two-year deal with a raise. So that's been two years. Like by the time we talk next, Jerry Lawless' two-year contract is up if he hasn't signed already. So either A, they are going to be forking out the big bucks and making an exception, or B, they won't give him a contract. And I mean, I couldn't imagine AEW missing the opportunity to have Lawler and JR. Oh my God, are you kidding me? You know, like if he signed that contract on the 8th two years ago, and it's the 5th now, I'm just saying that there's a, I'm not even, I don't want to tease it, but I'm just saying that I'm, it's the information's there, and it's not like they're, they're shy about grabbing people, you know? Pretty much two-year deal are they going to give him another raise because that's what he was happy about two years ago was that raise might be time for another raise king Con! 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 
god. That could be oh. interesting. That could be really interesting. But yeah, here's hoping. Even if they don't use him, because they have a good announced team there, you know. And I and I I love Tony Schiavone being there. You know, oh, Schiavone's been great. I think everything is perfect. But you know, some pay per views interchange things a little bit. Taz is busy being, you know, that character. Yeah, what the hell are those guys called again? Team Taz. I thought they had a better name. They still just called Team Taz. Yeah, it's just Team Taz. I feel like they gave it another name, no? No, no, still Team Taz. Oh, well, yeah, he's busy being part of Team Taz. They need to fix that shit. The the people in it have cooler names than the stable. <laughs> Think about it. You know, they have really cool names, all of them. But then the stable's Team Taz. Just weird. I've always thought it was just an homage back to Team from Team Taz back to, back at ECW. Hopefully not. Yeah. So let's see what happens with Lawler. That's going to be interesting. Going to definitely be interesting. But that money has been going to other places because WWE hired a new senior vice president, creative creator of creative operations, I guess. Senior vice president of creative writing operations, Christine Lebrano. So let's see here. She was an IFC for 18 years where she was an SVP in programming and development. Then she was she started Lebrano Media in 2020. And now she has a large role in WWE. So, good luck. Save your money. Save your WWE money. Have fun. Uh, it, feels like it feels like they're hiring and firing people so often from the office area that I don't even really know who's there anymore. You know what I mean? Like a revolving door of people. I just feel like it's random at this point where you never even really know. Like, Remember there was a point where you would know everyone. You would know all the refs and everyone backstage, even the people who did the makeup and the outfits and shit. And you took it for granted. You would know the name of all the refs too. Think about it. They don't even give enough. They don't. Even, they're not allowed to even talk about the refs anymore. They're not even allowed to talk about the refs. So that's that. Like, think about it. The refs you know are all like the ones from our era. You know, Nick Patrick and Teddy Long and Earl Hebner, Mike Chioda. What are the new refs' names? Becky with the good hair. I don't know. So you don't know. They don't. You see, it's just, it's just <laughs> not. You know, they, we just don't have that personalization anymore. You know, and that's because people are always fired. You know. But you know where some of that money's going, right, bro? Oh, God. Yes. Oh, God. Mm-hmm, because Matt Riddle is not one of those people who shuffled <sighs> his feet. Whatever they offered him, he took that shit. He said, fuck this shit. <laughs> it's an extension of his current contract, which his current contract was for $400,000 a year. Apparently, they gave him an offer that he didn't seem interested in renewing for and then they raised it he said i want more shit and bro nuts there must be a part of them at least smart enough to realize that even though he's an, a successful asset that they have here on the roster that they keep in the mid-tier of smackdown that the moment they let him go he'd be extremely successful somewhere else you know what I mean? That dude, like that mid Carter can fuck them over and be a main eventer like anywhere else. And that's probably the reason why they pay him. You know, they have they do have they have main event level people at a mid card tier. That's what makes their roster so dangerous. Even if they let go a mid card guy, he's a main eventer most places, you know? Yeah, they fuck up and piss off Matt Riddle. That's a wrap. Like, like AJ Styles more or less has been used as a main eventer a lot. The phenomenal been a main eventer. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's the whole thing. They got mid-carders that they can't afford to let go. So, Riddle clearly is one of them, and he was given a lucrative contract. 
Man, the landscape's changing for the new year, huh? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like we said, even with New Japan, a lot of these contracts expire at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, Brian Pillman is another person who, uh, they said he vacated the OVW Heavyweight Championship due to commitments with AEW. They said that he'll be leaving. Defend the belt anymore, so. Wow. So you see what I mean? I mean, I I guess that means he's going to have something really going with uh, AEW. I mean, hey, good for him. Let's get this up on the screen. This is the official. It's interesting the way that this is uh done, right? Yeah. Just because of the fact that like OVW is announcing that uh Brian Pillman is going to be vacating the OVW championship because of his growing relationship with AEW. Um, but I mean, then they even put in parentheses all elite wrestling, you know, and then they may as well have after that put alleliterestling.com with like the URL that links there along with their Twitter handle and where you could find them and then put 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central specific on TNT. And then the logo right on the guy, like our, I, I'm going to just ask it, are OVW and AEW working together in some capacity? Because it's just funny that the guy who's vacating your title, your announcement has like AEW written with the logo on there. How friendly is your relationship with them? Or is OVW kind of like, hey, guys. He can continue to shine in AEW and and make all of us, all of us, more importantly, his father proud. I mean, I guess there's just a good relationship between these companies, man. Because it's just so interesting that you never thought you'd see a release form. Like, imagine if WWE, you'd never in your thousand fucking years of you being in this world see some shit like that. Like if Brody Lee, God rest his soul, was alive and he left, do you think that they would have put out a paper like that with Brody Lee? Oh no. And then it's They wouldn't have told us. And then it's saying AEW with the actual graphical logo put on there. And then in parentheses, it would say all elite wrestling just so that they won't know exactly where to go. You know what I mean? They wouldn't do that shit for anybody. Not at all. But this is the way relationships should work between companies when you think about it. That's kind of cool. It makes it exciting, you know? They they put that coming, and, and I'm sure AEW, they'll return the favor. You know what I mean? Because it kind of would work out for OVW as well, because it's like, hey, this guy who you've seen wrestle on AEW, he used to work for us. Hey, come see who else is here. You never know who might pop up. OVW, in my opinion, back when I used to watch it, was excellent. You know, yeah, that was OVW actually was still the local when I used to watch it. You know what? And you know who, who ran it and who was the lead and who booked it? It was Jim Cornette. And you know who came out of Jim Cornette's OVW? Got Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, Batista, Brock Lesnar, Brock. John Cena. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember at one point Big Show went back down there for a little while, came back up and was better. Yeah. They're salty about that shit. Isn't it kind of funny when you really think about it that the last class of stars that they had that were developmental that went on to become the kind of stars that they've been desperately trying to make for like almost 15 years was from Jim Cornette's class of OVW. And it was all of them. Not one or two, and there were some that fell through the cracks. No, fucking all of them graduated up to become the stars, the covers, the posters of this company. And I, I like FCW and I like NXT. I watched every episode of FCW before anyone even knew it was a thing. But you know what? As much as we like those companies, the reality is that the landscape changed by the time those came out. A lot of the guys that they were bringing in, like the Tyler Blacks. And the Soraya Knights and all of that were already fucking wrestling all over the world by that point. So it's not even like I could be like, oh, look what they did. They didn't do shit. They just did what they always do. They signed contracts. OVW, on the other hand, those guys, aside from Randy Orton having the prestige of being like a third generation guy, 
those guys were like literally just people. You know what I mean? They were impressive physique-wise, of course. John Cena was impressive. He was a bodybuilder, you know. Brock Lesnar, without saying, Shelton Benjamin, of course. All of these guys. Batista. But at the end of the day, they weren't anything before that. It's not like we found these guys wrestling in bingo halls or any of that shit. No, these were homegrown talent, which I feel Cornette did a brilliant job. And not only giving them a good call-up class, but a call-up class that I feel like it sustained their their existence almost to this very day. What would they have been without John Cena and Randy Orton all this time? Well, Where would they have been, been without Brock Lesnar? Paper just didn't have a main event. You know? So, you know, when these classes, when you have people like this, you, you can become big stars. And that's what OVW has always been known for, too. So that's another reason. I digress. I know that was long-winded. But that's another reason I was thinking. If OVW still operates the way that it used to, which is as a developmental territory, then generally developmental territories would want that. They'd be okay with, look, now this guy's being called up to somewhere else. You know, at one time, at one point, Ring of Honor was even like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, you know? I want to see more of this yeah. guy, uh, you know? And I, I think they've been a good job showing him, but I'd like to see him in more singles matches. I feel like whenever I see Brian Pillman, he's just out there with a bunch of people. Yeah, it's because they have him in that tag team with Griff Garrison right now. But um, I watched Brian Pillman uh, wrestle in MLW several times. Yeah, AEW hit the jackpot with that kid. Am I am I wrong in feeling like unless I missed it? Like I know you don't like a lot of people don't want to always focus on bloodlines and shit, but am I the one who feel like maybe there should have been at some point somewhere a, like a little video package? I don't know, maybe where he did in OVW already did it where we just talk about Brian Pillman Jr., the son of Brian Pillman being in wrestling. Like I don't really ever hear anybody talking about it. Like that this Brian Pillman's kid now wrestling almost looks just like him and uh yeah. i don't know they just never talk about it the way you see with other second and third generation stars where they just go back and show you who this is at all i guess maybe he just wants to get by on his own steam they're sort of uh fucking what's his name mcgillicuddying him yeah well what did he become axel, curtis axel Michael right right you know what i mean they're sort of like trying that and i'm like even though even with the name though it's kind of weird because with him it's like they have the name but they don't really talk too much about it you know yeah, I guess to an extent, being that it is a literally Brian Pillman Jr., I guess they in the Suns let it speak for itself. It's like, you know who Brian Pillman is. You know they look exactly alike. So. It's, something sure I feel, Ross, it's something I feel like that could come to him. As sure. nostalgic as Jim Ross, I'm sure that he's brought it up, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I guess that's going to be him moving on permanently. So now that yeah. tells you he's going to have a busy future in 2021. Hopefully they don't all freaking Sean Spears him. Oh, hey, one of my favorite people that went over here. I'm just saying, I don't see anything. How long has it been again? Waiting for something. Anyway, Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman. Moving on to another Brian. Brian Hebner. Brian Hebner. Earl <laughs> baby boy. He uh, he basically said that uh, he left the NWA. So he is no longer with the NWA. So we may wind up with Brian Hebner somewhere else. He's starting to look. Is that Brian Hebner or is that Earl Hebner? Do I have the right picture up there? Yeah, that, that's Brian. That he looks like Earl Hebner now. He looks like a little Are younger you shitting Earl. me? Yo, I didn't realize how much they look alike. That looks like Earl Hebner now. What does Earl Hebner look like? <laughs> older, older Brian Hebner. Look at this shit. I, like, I, I thought I put the wrong... I panicked. I thought I put the wrong guy up there. I thought, fuck, I got the wrong Hebner again. <laughs> Even 20 years later, it's possible. <laughs> He looks more like his dad than he ever has. Before. He looks like his like his father and his uncle, you know, like the two twins. 
Like, how many times are we going to get these Hebners confused? Oh, my God. The Hebners are going to start doing twin magic. Holy shit. I think that's still one of the greatest moments in wrestling, just because for that split moment, or at least that split week, without the internet or anything else, everybody's misconceptions or, or correct conceptions about wrestling must have flown the fuck out the window. You know what I mean? Because I know mine did. It was like, wait, I felt like Hogan. Like, what? There's, there are two of them right before my very eyes. Is there dark magic in this company? <laughs> they actually got away with doing like, how did they do that one? You know, I've seen all kinds of shit happen in this, but I just can't believe that there's two of them. There's two of the fucking ref now. Like, think about it. They didn't explain to them. Like, you never knew there were two until like, that was amazing. That to me is one of the coolest tricks ever because you just couldn't wrap your mind around logical reason why there would be two of them at that moment. That's great fucking storytelling right there. You know, that is wonderful. Like nowadays you'd be like, oh, twins, twin magic, blah, blah, blah. They're doing the twin magic. But back then it was like, what? How did they get this too? And they're both. And then the way Hogan was, I love, go back and watch Hogan selling that shit too. The way he looks at one of them and he looks at the other and he looks at the crowd. Oh, I don't know what to do, brother. Oh, I'm so lost. And he was hands on his heads and shit. The kids are going nuts. <laughs> but yeah, Brian Hebner, man. Too bad he doesn't have a twin. That would be some straight shit. Uh, so this next departure is very interesting, and I think it changes a lot of things here because apparently Ring of Honor has parted ways with Marty Skrull. Yep, I heard about this earlier today. What the hell? Do you think they did it because of that shit? It has to be. We haven't seen Marty on TV in, what, a year? He was the head booker of Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? The whole reason he didn't go to AEW was because you couldn't get a better gig than being in charge. He was giving top dollar, top guy money, contract, and creative control. And we never got to really see any of that shit executed because suddenly that speaking out thing happened and then he's just gone. And again, I'm going to say this. If they did it just based on hearsay, regardless to how you feel about it and what your opinion is, that's not fair. And the guys should be dealt due process. And in my opinion, companies are not... The, are not the law in the sense you shouldn't let somebody gets handcuffed and taken away and then even at that point there's still an arraignment there's a whole bunch of other shit you really should not and technically cannot this is the first i've heard of in my life basically judge somebody on something that they haven't been judged for that's why we call it having a judgment you know what i mean we literally came up with this it took hundreds of years but there's a system in place where you literally get to judge them. Not only do you literally get to judge them, but they even came up with like fucking fail safes. Like, you know, it was crazy. But this fail safe is they actually choose a group of you and they interview you guys individually one at a time to make sure that the collective group of you cover all genders, races and minorities and that you don't have any biased opinions on the set topic. And then they let you sit in a room and hear all sides of the story. And then go into a private room where you get to discuss it amongst your diverse asses for hours before you make a decision about this person's fate. That's literally what you want, isn't it? Isn't that what you're fighting for? Right? Am I wrong about this? Like no, the system no, that they want is like man. the fucking system that we use. But if none of those things happen, you can't fire people like this. I've never heard of that before. It's just so weird. It's like the companies want to save face. It's like a catch 22 because you can't fire somebody for that. But then the companies want to save face. 
They don't want to, even if they don't believe it, they don't want to look like they're harboring rapists, they're harboring racists. And I can understand that. But here's the thing. If it comes out, and it's just speculation, if it comes out that uh, they have something that they looked at, whatever, some picture, video, some shit where it's like, oh, man, like it came across their desk and like, you know, we got to let you go, bro. Then I then obviously what I'm saying doesn't hold ground. You're caught with a smoking gun dead to rights and you committed some shit that legally you're going to be getting in trouble for. I could get it. But if nothing's happened since when Destin and I first reported this and it's just that, all right, well, fuck it, we're going to release them. Then I think that's wrong, you know, because look at Enzo. Like, where did Enzo's accusers go and all these other people? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying everybody's full of shit, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of these things, nothing happened with. And it would be really unfortunate, especially in the case of someone as talented as Marty Skrull, if all of this shit, and I'm just saying, because I don't want someone to come back and be like, oh, Rick, this is is pro-racist, rapist, and racist. I'm just saying it would be a real shame for a talent like that if all of this shit was for nothing. And a year from now, we're looking back and going, wow, we remember that guy and how good he was and all for nothing because of some shit we found out was bullshit later on. Now he's gone and doesn't have X, Y, and Z. I'm not saying that's the way it's going to go, but I'm saying that whatever the hell's going on with him, I would like the authorities in power to do everything that they can to be fucking sure. You know what I mean? Not yeah, just right, right. that we let this guy fall through the cracks. Ah, he might have raped somebody. Bye. Like, I want to know what the fuck happened if we're going to really cut this dude loose. I'm kind of getting annoyed with this. Exactly. Like, you can't look bad if there's no proof that he did anything. Well, but they don't well, trust com- me. If, though, if the, proof comes out that he did it. Oh, with social media? It, 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 keeps it shitting on the right? company. Yeah. Oh, you guys are still, they do it with fucking Velvet, Velveteen Dream. Oh, fire Velveteen every time he come back. And this company doesn't want to have to deal with that, you know? But I'm just saying... It's something where I have to look at both sides because on one hand, I kind of feel like in the cases of people like Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream, I feel like if there was even any glimmer of fucking chance that they did something, that would they really, would WWE really have these people around still? It's not like Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream make or break a show. They're good talent and everything. But you don't think that this is a company that if they saw something that was like illegal, they wouldn't just cut these guys off. They would do it instantly. The moment that that shit came forward with uh, Rich Swan and his wife, what's her name, Sue Young, where they got into yeah. a little domestic, it was a little tiff on a fucking, in a car. They cut him loose because it was completely all out of the contract guidelines. It was an immediate release. And that's not nearly as bad as rape or assault. So I'm saying that if there was even a glimmer of proof, WWE would have cut these guys off. So I have to look at the flip side of things and wonder, does Ring of Honor operate the same way? Did they get a glimmer of proof of something and they cut this dude loose? Because I just, like I said, I think it's weird. I would love to, I don't want to speculate too much, but I would just love to know what the hell the backstory is of somebody because what it looks like from the outside, because I know that would be the defense used with these kind of shows. Oh, you know, they're, they're talking from the outside. Well, what it looks like from the outside is that somebody was given the highest position in Ring of Honor and then a whole bunch of rape allegations came out and then the person disappeared and later no longer worked for the company. That's what I do whenever I, I, I want to rid myself of opinion. I just list the facts with no opinion of my own and no emotion. These are the facts. You had a guy who you made your top guy in your head booker. He got accused of rape, disappeared. And now he doesn't work for you anymore. That's all I'm saying. That can be interpreted good or bad, shady or not. If you think that's perfectly normal shit, then hey. Yeah, exactly. You're right, George. It's because they don't want heat on the company at all. And Impact did do it with Joey Ryan. 
But you got to ask yourself in that situation, was that correct? Joey Ryan fought his ass off. I watched that whole two-hour thing he put where he explained and showed the text of where he was. He even admitted when he was having three simple some of the girls and that it was consensual. Then he went on to hire a lawyer, which cost a lot of money and shit. And he went on, he like, you know what I mean? Like, the guy defended himself. You see what I mean? Like, it's it's strange, though, because at the end of the day, imagine if, and if, again, I don't know for sure, but imagine if the person's lying. Think about if this person's lying right now. If you had the ability to just be psychic phoenix style gene gray style and you could literally just reach out and pull the truth out of thin air can you imagine dude and i'm just saying again playing devil ever can you imagine this fucking guy lost his job and then had to spend the kind of money that we probably aren't going to see on legal fees to defend himself against some shit that appeared out of thin air because that's what mad riddle's doing right now and he can only do it because he has smackdown money which is probably why he took that contract there's a lot of people right now and I'm not saying they're all innocent, but I'm just saying just just use your imagination. We close your eyes and imagine if one of them, if just one of the cases we brought up where you know the person spending tens of thousands of dollars on legal fees and isn't fucking employed right now in the middle of a pandemic. And if you were to find out now that this was literally all for nothing. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because every single one of these cases has been left with that chance. You know what I mean? Like no, no case has been presented in a way where we could say, well, that's something all of them are still in there's still a chance all of these could be true or bullshit so i just worry about when we hear that you know yeah i'm right there with you and then that's the thing george you're right other people came out with those people we've talked about that on here too and i don't want to spend too much time on that but that's another thing that i've always found kind of i don't want to say suspicious or weird but it's inconvenient when like something comes up about somebody and then everybody behind them comes out with something week after week, month after month. And it was like, I get it. Like, it takes courage to come forward. And when you see someone else, it inspires you to do the same. That shit doesn't make it convenient for that legal system that I just explained to you guys, where we put a bunch of people in a room that we go through the trouble of interviewing. And then they all talk with each other about whether or not this shit happened. That only works. If the person tells you, right? So you see how it's complicated? It's not about me judging, but so much as looking at what the system works, you know? I can't put a fucking square peg in a round slot. And if I point it out to you, this isn't me complaining about your shitty fucking square peg or your stupid round slot. This is me stating that one's not going to fit in the other. This is why I'm saying at the end of the day, the only way to do it, whether you like it or not, is when somebody goes to jail with the right to remain silent, anything that they can say will be held against them in in the state of New York or wherever. That's how you do this. It's the only credible way. And even then, I think that it's still up to the company if they're going to wait until the trial. Like, hey, man, you're on trial and then you're too hot right now. We're going to release you. And if they didn't, it still wouldn't be weird if they trusted the person enough. And we know you're innocent. But everybody's quick, quick to end careers nowadays, man really really fast way too quick to an alarming point yeah you should people should be held accountable but there's a level of insensitivity that i feel has happened that i've never seen before as much as i don't excuse what she did by any means look at that roseanne shit that happened they fired her like within hours hours of saying something that according to her was misinterpreted, which is subjective to your opinion, but her whole show killed the fucking character. To me, I would take that more personally than releasing her because the people, and you don't think about this, but the people 
that killed the character of Roseanne are probably not even the people that helped invent the character of Roseanne or the family of the Connors or that environment and atmosphere and that tone. There are people who were passed the torch and given a convenient job that make probably eight, nine times money more money than you or I will ever make for something that's already been established. It's getting away with name recognition and out of an out of a stance that they took. Like they ended not only her career, but a character that I feel like when a character's existed that long, a lot of fucking work goes into it. Like, don't think that it was like fly by night. It's not regular for shows to last seasons and seasons like that. So when they do, a lot of fucking work goes into it. And however you feel about the person to be able to discard a character that you built up for that long. That's crazy. That's fucking unacceptable. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at when they were interviewing the woman who played Edith Bunker. Her name fucking um, escapes me right now. And the rest of the cast took it really hard when she wanted to leave and they had to kill her off. And it was a sad episode. I remember Archie crying when she died. And to me, that's still one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen on fucking television. But uh, when you hear her, she's kind of cold and candid about it. She's like, it's just a character. I don't really give a fuck. She didn't say I don't really give a fuck, but she was kind of cold and candid about it. You know, but most people, when there's like a connection to, to like those kind of things, you can't just discard it. You have to have a little bit more elegance about it, however it is. I don't know much about House of Cards and Kevin Spacey, and I know that there's a, he's probably done some bad things. Maybe, may or not. I don't know. Again, I kind of wait for the trials with these things. But for people who watch the series, there should have been some cleaner landing than just fuck that character, you know, and then it comes back with like the person gone. Even if you have to recast or CG or whatever, don't just like this control all delete and task shit that they're doing to people is scary as hell. One minute you could you're there and the next minute, boop, they're going to have the Stafford actors. Pretty soon, everyone who's this, the Stafford celebrities, they're all going to they're going to be ever seen that, that movie back in the day, the Stafford wives. They're all going to fucking that's it. Everyone's going to be Stafford. The moment one of them's out of line, it'll be you've seen an episode of Justice League with the Justice Lords. Even if you jaywalk, Batman yes, comes for you. I remember. That was a great episode. You jaywalk and Batman comes for you. What a shit world to live in. Can you imagine that shit? Du, 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 don't walk. Dun, 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 dun. Like, oh, <laughs> fuck me, man. Fuck my life. <laughs> you know? You fucking turn that corner to start. Where is she? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There needs to be needs to be a better better way for this world to be, you know? Can't, we can't justice lords our way through all this shit. That's what so that's what we're becoming. We're the justice lords. The moment that it's a little bit doo-doo, get them. Get them quick. <laughs> Remember, that was a shit world to live in, man. Even Superman, he was the worst. People need to see evil Superman so that they have that perspective on why it's important that he's nice. Because when he shows up as a law enforcer, it's like, oh shit. What are you gonna do? You're going to talk your way out of this fight, run, shoot him. What, what are you going to do? Even if you have like a nuke, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's nothing that you can really do. So, you know, but I digress. Marty Skrull, man, I don't think that they should be killing you off. No. But again, if, if, if more shit comes up, and I apologize if it turns out, oh yeah, you know, they found it was, it was like Buffalo Bill. There was like a fucking, a, a basement that he had and a well full of, full of women, young, young Young women, young teenage women, and like, you know, we had to kind of, or if he's like fucking that guy from Split, you know, where sometimes he's not Marty's girl, sometimes he's, he's a freaking, I don't know, Patty's girl, you know, and he has I was a about to say Mart, but where he turns into like a fucking woman and he has a whole bunch of teenagers locked, you know, some crazy shit. Then sure, I don't think that he should be the head booker in Ring of Honor if he has a cellar full of teenage women chained. Okay? 
I will be uncomfortable with him as the head booker or holding any titles, quite frankly, while there are still teenage women locked in his basement. So, you know, I don't know if I'd watch the product. I don't know if I talk about it on here. We'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But as, as I stand now, I don't think that if he has teenage girls in his fucking basement, I'd be okay with it. But until we get I to love that how point, we're just sticking with that one. Oh, you know, because that's what I'm saying. Like once it's like <laughs> whatever it is that we got going on here, like once it's there, all right, fine. But until it's there, don't tell me that I have to believe some shit that's based on nothing. But while we're talking about all this unpleasantness, there's one man who's pleasant. And his name is Rainmaker Okada. Everybody thought you were going there. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you guys think I was going? I thought I was going with the John Cena drop. Oh, really? Nah, John Cena. Dude, it was John the same Cena's transition. Not, John Cena's not home anymore, man. He went off to make Scorpion King. <laughs> oh, God. He said he was never going to leave, but he did. But now, Okada spoke to Sports Illustrated. Make sure this is Sports Illustrated. Don't want anybody to get angry. Yep, Sports Illustrated. Okay, good. We could go. He said, times are tough right now, but I hope what we do will bring joy to everyone all over the world and give them enough strength and positivity to do their best the next day and when the world calms down i would like to give back with other wrestling companies to all wrestling fans in the world who still support us even in this current situation new japan wwe AEW, cmll triple a all together sounds pretty cool don't you think look there's a guy who gets it and that's coming from the rainmaker they couldn't buy him if they if they gave him all of their contract money they've tried they try to get him they try to get him in tanahashi and you know what they can't and you know about don't have them. rainmaker money. That's how come they always have that. That's probably why they treat Japanese wrestlers like shit on WWE. That explains why Nakamura is probably low tier on main event at best at the moment. Yeah, but you're not going to convince these guys to go over there doing that. Exactly. Well, we can't treat them okay, so we're going to take it out of the other Japanese guys. What? Why do you think they want to come? Fucking Okada's like, yo, I was already Samojo's bodyguard, freaking sidekick in TNA. I don't know what you fuckers are going to do with me. Honestly, at this point, dare I say it, but the WWE and the Japanese style have become so different from one another that when I'm watching New Japan, it almost doesn't even look like the same thing anymore. They're more different from WWE than UFC is to WWE. It doesn't look like the same thing. Like if someone was around me that never watched wrestling before and they watched Raw, I feel like if I put on New Japan, I'd have to explain it like if I went to a different fucking sport. Not just this is an extension of what we were watching. There are things about the way their product works that if you came off of Raw and watched that and you were new to wrestling, I'd have to break it down for you again. You know what I mean? It would be like the equivocal of like, just because you know how to play Doom, now I'm going to show you Command and Conquer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if all you played is That's Doom, a hell of a if all you played is Doom and Duke Nukem, and I'm like, now take everything that you learned here and apply it here. It's not going to work right away. So that's sort of how I'm looking at it. When I watched New Japan this this well, last night, it just it just felt different. You know, like there's just a different element of storytelling to it. And it's just done so good. They can't hold a candle to that shit, man. I hate to say it about them because I love WWE, but they can't hold a candle to the kind of shit that happens it's, in New Japan. It, it, it's realistic because there is sports entertainment that pretends to be a sport when it's convenient and then there is fucking wrestling new japan is fucking wrestling yeah yeah definitely is oh man all right well we're going to be talking about them a little bit more don't worry we're going to be heading to that soon 
But for the first episode, it wouldn't be talk brunch without. I got a flow. You got a what? I got a flow. Yeah. I got a flow. You got a flow. So let it go. Yeah. Brother. And yeah, George, that's what Nakamura does. He spends most of his time surfing. That's why he probably stays with the company. So freaking peaceful. He gets a tire blow some steam off. So who's Dan Crawford? He's a retired professional wrestler from the 60s. Okay. Because he was on, what is this, Hannibal? I believe this is Hannibal. And he just talks about, he tells an interesting Hogan story. Let me see if I could uh, get to the middle of it here. Oh, it's actually not that much. I'll just try to jump a little bit. In. I think Brett would recall this. And I remember sitting at the table of Hulk Hogan. He was, you know, he was an interesting guy, Hulk Hogan. I was around him numerous times. And not one of my favorite people. Uh, I just found him to be somewhat arrogant. And you could tell the vanity and the ego of him was certainly a big piece of his personality. Uh, I kind of wish I had got a chance to know him better because I'd like to have been more maybe have an opinion about him based on more of an experience, but I'll never recall, or I do recall the fact that he ordered a big steak and we're all sitting at the table uh, uh, eating at this restaurant, uh, which was closed off to the public. And at the end of the dinner, he just got up and walked out of the restaurant and the waiter came over and, and with the bills for the table and, and the, they said, Mr. Hogan's bill's here. And he just got up, walked away and didn't even pay his bill. I don't know to this day if they pursued him and got him to pay the bill, but I thought that was rather arrogant on his part. And uh, yeah, I, I just have to say, in all honesty, I, I never had a real good opinion about him. Even in the Saddle Dome, in my last show, he did something that I, I never really forgot and felt really bad about. Was it? When we had the arena packed, there was 22,000 people in there, and it was in Calgary in the Saddle Dome, and uh, it was during a time when there was a bunch of young showgirls there who were a part of the Stampede, which is a great big event here in Calgary, and they were waiting outside the dress room, and they all asked if they could get Hulk Hogan's autograph, and they were waiting he came out the door and they were all standing there, these young girls, 16, 17 year old with cowboy hats on. And they were, you know, really sweet young girls. And he just snubbed them and walked right by them and wouldn't sign it. And, you know, I, I was really disappointed by that. So I took their, their programs that they had and I took them in the dressing room and I asked all the guys to sign them. And there was the British Bulldogs and everybody was there and they all signed them. And I took them back out and I give the, these programs that were all signed to these young girls. And I apologized about Hulk Hogan, but little things like that sometimes create lasting memories. And unfortunately I don't have a lot of great memories of my association with him. Damn. Damn. Another person hating on Hogan. <sighs> well, hey. he still like talk points. So. Yeah, that's right. He does like our stuff sometimes, right? He's like our stuff. Uh, Ray Rowe like our stuff once. I will be backspacing Fucking... over sharing this uh, <laughs> from that You're account. Hogan to be like, I like those talk brothers, dude. Now he's sharing, sharing that shit about me. First of all, Hogan, we like you. Okay. Damn it. You know, thinking like he's like us, Rose like us. Fucking, yeah, I think you told me once one of the whispers from Walking Dead, like, no, one of the uh, the saviors from Walking Dead liked us. And then my favorite one, Maya Lesnar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen. I go back there again. I can't even today. But uh, 
he talked about going back. He was he was on ESPN and he talked about going back with the legends. And he said, the newer kids, uh, I don't think they know who I I am all the way. The wake up call that really got me was with Stone Cold Steve Austin. We weren't really close at all, but over the last few years, have become good friends. It called me off guard when he called me one day and we're chatting about cars or something. And all of a sudden, he goes, "Damn, Hogan." I was on the internet the other day and I can't believe all the stuff you did in your career. When Stone Cold didn't realize that I did the Love Bold and Johnny Carson, then I understood why the young people didn't know. That's hilarious. That's some shit, right? That is awesome. You know you've been in the game a long time when Stone Cold's like, I didn't know you did this. Yeah, and uh, apparently Hogan said that uh, they asked him about talking to Chris Hemsworth, the current Thor, because as you know, he's going to be playing Hogan in the Hulk Hogan movie. And I asked if he spoke to him on the phone and Hogan said, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, we did talk on the phone when he decided to do the movie and he said he wanted to be around me as much as he can to study me and see what makes me tick. And I was like, brother, you're going to be surprised. He's a lot taller than I thought he was six foot three or six foot four. He's in crazy shape. I keep telling him that the only per- problem is that he's not really good looking enough to play me in a movie. But uh, that's a movie I want to see. More right, I can't Hogan wait to movie. see that movie. No, I'm not even talking about the Hogan movie. The movie I want is Chris Hemsworth hanging out with Hulk Hogan to see what makes him tick. <laughs> I will fucking pay good. Like, think, do, you, do you hear this plot? Chris Hemsworth, Thor, hangs out all day with Hulk Hogan to just see what makes him tick. Like, that shit would be the self-fulfilling movie. Like, you know how awesome it would be? I bet it's better than the Hulk Hogan movie. Just hang out with Hulk Hogan. We'll call it Hemsworth yeah. and Hogan. Uh, you almost—I thought you stole my shit. I was gonna say you call it Helmsworth knows best. Oh no, the sequel, right? <laughs> this time it's personal. Oh, you know what? You call it from Hogan to Hemsworth, and you use two yes. like the sequel, the No Roman Noble from Hogan to Hemsworth. Oh my God, Stacey says it's gonna be the next Tiger King. No. Oh, it'll blow no. Tiger King out the water. You're 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 with Thor, hanging out with Hulk Hogan all day to see how he thinks. I wouldn't even have needed for there to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe if you came up to teenage me and said, I have a fucking brilliant idea. You're with Thor. You're with Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing how Hulk Hogan thinks. Chris Hemsworth wouldn't even have to portray him. You could have said you're with Thor. And I would have just been thinking of regular Marvel wings on the helmet Thor hanging out. We're Hogan, and it would have worked the same. I'm like, yep, fuck yeah. Who wouldn't go for that? Find me a person who doesn't want that. Like, it's 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 to me, it almost feels like marshmallows and hot cocoa. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're, or it's like the the candle on the top of a birthday cake, or the cherry on the top of a pie. Like, it's a whole Hogan story about how his mind ticks. And you're Thor. I love it. Maybe I'll work on the graphic tonight. I want it now. It was like the two of them. You know, the team up. You never knew that you really wanted, man. Awesome stuff. Never before, never again. So I was listening to Bischoff's podcast the other day. I love Bischoff stuff. And he, he told a Hogan story that was really fucking bizarre. And it was bizarre enough that I don't normally do it, but I incorporated my recreational listening into uh, the show because it was funny. <laughs> Let me uh drop this in here. Let me this see. Because this, is, this is kind of long. Where can I get to with this? was i really don't i don't even know if there was i don't think anybody knew what the issue was everybody just was okay you have to hear maybe not on as it had ever gotten at that point probably 
as bad as it had ever gotten at that point. And there was, you know, there's a lot of details about it. I just don't remember. Some of them were Hogan just and childish, frankly. The NWO some of them era. were silly. Some of them were bad communication, miscommunication, or no communication. Uh, much more so than they were actual intent. But nonetheless, there was a moment, must have been about 5.30, 5 or 5.30. I think we had an hour before the show was supposed to go up live because we were at Rocky Mountain time. I think we had to go up at 8 o'clock Eastern. So we were real close to showtime, whatever time it was. And I remember, in fact, I remember exactly where we were standing backstage because we were kind of uh, where the entrance is and the travertine drapes are, whatever they're called. Um, we were standing back there. It was me, Hulk, Scott, and Kevin. And, of course, you know, I'm all of 5'10", 190 pounds, and I'm surrounded by these guys, right? So didn't have a lot of success mediating. I did the best I could as the boss, so to speak. But it had gotten really, really tense. And Hulk is not a violent guy. He's – he. Hulk will avoid conflict usually at all. He's as mellow. He's like a, he's a hippie. He's a, he's Hulk is a hippie deep down in, in, in his heart. He, he's not an aggressive. He doesn't ever threaten to kick anybody's ass. He's, he's the opposite of all of that. He avoids conflict really. But I, and I had never seen him as pissed off as he was that night, that afternoon for the show and as i'm and i don't know what the issue was i really don't i don't even know if there was i don't think anybody knew what the issue was everybody just was pissed off at each other and i remember standing in the middle of it and i'm and this is back when everybody was wearing fanny packs so i looked down and hulk's fanny pack is open and i see a knife in there and i'm thinking what the fuck you know i've heard of this thing happening and and I've heard these kinds of stories, but nah, this can't possibly be happening. And of all people, not not Hulk Hogan. But I think Hulk was there was enough tension, there was enough anxiety, there was enough, you know, nuanced threats and innuendo happening that Hogan came half expecting there to be shit go down. Hang on, hang on, and I remember look. I remember looking in that fanny pack, going, "No, this cannot be fucking happening." Unfortunately, nothing did. But I had never seen Hulk so ready to go to war as he was on that afternoon. I'd never seen it before, and I've never seen it since. I'm, I'm really struggling with what you just—that bomb you just dropped on us here. Are you Hogan. saying that Hogan didn't normally just carry a pocket knife, but he brought one in case Nash wanted to get Detroit on him and he'd stab a motherfucker? I didn't say that. I'm, I'm telling you exactly what I saw. I saw a, a Hulk Hogan who was uncharacteristically aggressive and, and appearing to me that he was ready to throw down in a real way, not in a, not in a, a wrestling way, not in a showmanship way, not in a bar where you're trying to impress everybody how tough you are kind of a way. 
in a real way. Again, I grew up in Detroit. I know when it's real. I know when it's posturing. I know when people pose and I know when they're really ready to go. I just grew up in that. I had seen all of the posturing before. I had heard people talk shit. I'd seen people act tough. I can always tell the difference. But in that moment, I was standing next to a guy who was ready to go because he believed he didn't have a choice. And when I looked out, when I was standing next to the guy, I looked down and I saw him in his fanny pack. I saw a blade in there. I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be bad. This can't possibly be getting to this level. Can I tell you what was going through Hulk's mind? No. Can I tell you that he never carried a pocket knife before or a knife? It wasn't just a pocket knife. Can I tell you that he never carried a knife before until that night? No, I can't say that either. He may have. Maybe a coincidence, but it didn't feel like one at the moment. My- <laughs> that man straight up said Hulk Hogan was fanny packing heat. You write it down, fanny pack. Yes, I I already did. Dude, <laughs> I I had to stop myself from laughing every time he said when I saw that knife in his fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just afraid you fucking hear it. He said, "Is this really fucking happening?" You'll understand that came to be the second he said that shit. Wow, man, <laughs> Hogan. What you gonna do with this Swiss Army fanny pack, Roswalda? What you gonna do when I take my knife and run wild on you, brother? Oh, no, 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 no. What are you gonna do, right? Right, what the fuck are you doing with that? You run like hell. Imagine if that's what the overlapping fucking catchphrase that stuck to Bishop's mind as he's looking in that fanny pack. Oh, my God. What you gonna do, brother? What you gonna do? (laughs) I love his attitude, though. This is not fucking happening right now. I'm standing here, Hulk Hogan's furious, and there's a fucking knife hanging out of his fanny pack. What fresh hell is this? It feels like it's the worst case scenario, right? <laughs> like in all angles of this. That's one hell of a police report. Well, officer, then he t- took the knife out of his fanny pack. Which at the time would be perfectly normal. Cop might be wearing one, too. <laughs> the cop has his taser in his fanny pack. That was the world we lived in. Man. Let's move on, please. We're going to, uh, well, what are we? We're almost two, we're about two hours in. You know what? It might be time for us to have to talk about some of the stuff that's been happening in the world of wrestling. Not that we are out of news, but, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling in about 49 minutes, night two of Wrestle Kingdom's going to be starting. Anyone who's a long time listener knows I have been covering these, I believe, since Wrestle Kingdom seven or eight. There are episodes that are just post-shows. We would literally stay up until 5 in the morning and then do the post-show afterwards. That is not me anymore. I'm going to bed or somewhere else that's not here. I think I remember in my early days as being a part of the show, I used to hang out on Skype with you until 6 in the morning to watch a wrestling game. I I didn't even plan on watching it live. This was more of a, may as well, I'm here. So, uh, yeah. We're going to be covering night one of this. Like I said, I've done it since Wrestle Kingdom 7, I believe. And it's funny because even back then, there was no English or anything. It was before JR even got there. So they had the dark match. This was the New Japan Rambo match, which... Yep, a 22-man battle royale. Yeah. That's which is actually kind of an interesting way that it ends because... uh. It doesn't end with one. How it works is that the final four men fight fight it out for uh, the King of Pro Wrestling trophy on night two. 
right and destin is uh you can go into whatever details you want i plan on none for this match i'll just tell you guys the contestants which was it starts with ibushi and chase owens i believe no not even ibushi it starts with chase owens yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was and, chase uh, actually i even have the order right in front of me too as well okay uh it started with uh what are we gonna actually do we can run down the order people came in first and they kind of ran from there okay go for so, it so in order we had number one chase owens two tomorrow ishii three suzuki four yuji nagata five toa henry six hiroki goto seven yujiro takahashi eight yoshihashi nine toki magabe ten Tomokai, oh Hanma, <laughs> eleven. Uh, Hiroshi yeah, ten Tenzan. was Togi, Togi Makabe. Um, yeah, and Hanma was here too. Nice to see him. Yeah, fucking Hanma showed up. Uh, yeah, twelve. Rocky Romero, thirteen. Doki, fourteen. Show fifteen. Bushi, sixteen. Tiger Mask, seventeen. Bad Luck Fale, eighteen. Gabriel Kid, nineteen. Yuya Imura, twenty. Yota. Titsu, 21, the defending champion, Toriano. And then, yeah, that want to be in the whole field. Yep. It was in the order that they entered as well. So, And the winner of this goes on tonight to get, uh, they get to be in the King of Pro Wrestling Fatal 4-Way match. Yeah. Because that the title is vacant. Who are standing. Yeah, the last four men that are standing in this. Uh, people who were the last four standing was Bushi. Uh, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Toru Yano. Yep, so Yano has a chance to double up this year. Mm-hmm. And overall, it was okay. You know, not as many cameos as I want. Um, yeah. But, you know. It was you know, nice to see Hanma. I haven't seen Hanma in so long. Yeah, I'd like to see more of him doing more relevant stuff than that. But, yeah, it was definitely good to see him. I figure if you're going to bring him back, you pick the biggest wrestling event in the entire freaking year, too. Because he was very much missed. <laughs> so the first official match was El Fantasmo against Hiromo Takahashi. Yeah, this was the uh, best of the Super Juniors winner, Hiromu, versus the Super J-Cup winner in Fantasmo. Uh, mm-hmm. And the winner faces Taiji Ishimori on night two for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Right. Which I like that format, having two tournament winners duke it out to see who gets the title shot. Yeah, absolutely. And who do you who was the finish to this? This was a the finish was like a I want to call it like a West Coast pop esque cover. You know the move. Yeah, it was like it was kind of it was like a Hurakurana esque uh, cover by Takah by um Takahashi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he will challenge uh, Taiji Ishimori. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Phantasmo's obsession is with Liger. He was asking if Liger was around. I know he faced him last year in the tournament. That would be a weird grudge to have, but uh. He asked about Liger. Uh, Hiromo had a nasty avalanche leg drop um, to Phantasmo on the outside. Looked really solid. Um, Phantasmo hit Takahashi with this nasty sunset bomb from the apron to the outside as well. And he also yeah. has a really solid uh, tightrope. I guess I want to call it like a tightrope springboard acai moonsault. Yeah, like, that was the highest moonsault I've ever seen somebody hit. Yeah, they sell in the, in the match that he twists his ankle on the, on the landing of that. Um, he does, uh, he, he does, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on him more cause you guys already know Katakahashi if you listen to us, but he also does this leg drop split legged moonsault to Hiromo who's like draped across the corner that looked really cool. Yeah. Um, what I like that, uh, Phantasma was doing as well. And they mentioned it multiple times on commentary paying homage to Bullet Club's past. 
because he hit uh he hit Omega's Rise of the Terminator. Well, he went for Omega's Rise of the Terminator. Yeah. And at one point, even late in the match, um, he hit um the Style Clash as well. Yeah, he did. He was he was mimicking. He was a move stealer there. You know, he did the reverse roll up into the Styles Clash. Yeah. And uh, even the V Trigger One Wing Angel, which got rolled and countered into that uh into that corner Death Valley Driver that Phantasmo does. I forget what he calls it. Yeah, I was one that uh, yeah Takahashi does. He yeah yeah it has a name, but I can't remember what his name was. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was really cool. There there were a lot of interesting moments here. I also like the triangle springboard. It's like a triangle springboard tightrope from one corner to the other. It would have been a corkscrew arm drag, but uh, Takahashi bites him at the arm drag point. <laughs> he stood up on those ropes for a long time. That dude is crazy athletic. Yeah. Overall, good, awesome stuff. Yeah, hell of an opener. Great, great first match. Uh, there was the IWGP tag team title match with the J- Dangerous Techers. Tai Chi. Yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi against the winners of World Tag League, Gorillas of Destiny, looking to set a record of if they were to win this match seven time heavyweight yeah. tag team champions. Being accompanied with, with Jado. And, uh, the finish, of course, which annoys me because I was enjoying the match. Is Bullet Club cheating with that big glove? They hit Tai Chi with like that. What the fuck was that? Like a giant metal glove? It, yeah, it's some giant like metal like finger glove or something like that. What is this fucking uh jackass? I don't know what the fuck it was. That thing looks like it sucked. You get hit with. Yeah, I just I'm so done on this Bullet Club shit. But the gorillas do look good. They have a nice clean cut look to them. I like the new music, the new look. I like them coming out with Jado there. Everything's solid. Um, it was good to see them because for me, they're the last remnants of the other, of the old Bullet Club. Yeah, that, that smash about. And I mean, this is still one of the most. Even if they had to do underhanded tactics, I think it was partially because they couldn't put those two away. So it was more like a desperation type thing. But this is still one of the most smash mouth tag teams in the whole game. Yeah, for sure. There's a level of swagger that comes with those two. It's probably one of my favorite entrances because you almost feel yourself grooving with. Yeah, it is really cool. Very solid stuff. Way better than the old one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they have Zack Sabre at the outside um, who gets attacked by Jado with a kendo stick because he's there to interfere. At one point, Zack Sabre counters um, that super power bomb that, that he does into a. It was like a headlock. Um,. And it's interesting because he has him like on a headlock on the top and he says, he goes, Tai Chi, get your ass over here. And they do this Tower of Doom spot. He's like, this is Wrestle Kingdom. Where he sort of sacrifices himself because Tai Chi's at the bottom. And essentially he has to power bomb Zack Sabre, who's suplexing, uh, Tong, um, Tama or Tongaloa rather. And, uh, so I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really cool. I'm, I'm a big Tai Chi fan. I like, I like his Hulk up into the Saito suplex. Lots of good <laughs> moments with him. Great. You know, lots of really solid stuff, but I really did like that Tower of Doom spot just because of the selling of it. You see Tower of Dooms all the time, but a lot of time people just get up there like that, 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 that. But it's really cool having the guy who's going to take the power bomb that's in the middle. He's kind of selling it where he's sacrificing himself because he really is getting power bombed if he's in the middle. Uh, I thought that was really solid. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, hell of a match. Like I said before, even though they did have to use underhanded tactics, I called it more of a desperation move. It's still one of my favorite tag teams in uh, Gorillas of Destiny. They do go over, and they have now set the record as the most, probably the, uh, the, yeah, the most uh, championship runs 
for the heavyweight tag team division at seven seven runs now. That's really good. That's a highly successful team right there. Like it's crazy. Yeah, and it's weird because they weren't really repping Bullet Club stuff at all. You know. Yeah, this seems to be like they're, they're like when it comes to the guys like him. Well, when it comes to those two, Fale, even Chase Owens, they're kind of drifting away from Bullet Club. They're yeah, kind of just doing all, their own thing. Yeah, it's like they're their own little subsection of it, which is good because the main branch of that shit sucks. You know? Oh, yeah, I feel that. Like, the main branch of it is absolutely fucking miserable. It's the complete opposite of what we expected from this thing. Yeah, what do you think of their new looks? Like, how long have they been rocking that? Um, I know, I know Tama has been clean shaven for quite a good while now. Yeah, because the last thing I watched was the G1. It's been a while since, I, I love the old look, but I like this one. It worked for him. He could pull it off, so it's okay. Yeah, like I said, the last thing I watched was the G1 and they weren't there, you know? Yeah, I think about it, when it came to it, World Tagly was the first time we saw a lot of the old Bullet Club guys again. Mm-hmm. Let me take a look at something here. What else came out on this card? Because I, what was well, the next thing? Well, the next thing was a match, but before that, we got a uh, little little um, surprise announcement. Mm-hmm. We got um, an appearance. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> here he's we go. back. Many men have vied for that U.S. title contract. They all thought they were going to get off easy. They all hoped and prayed that the United States heavyweight champion would never return. But I'm the boogeyman in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I will get you eventually. So whoever walks out of the Tokyo Dome with that contract, make no mistake about it. I'm coming for you. Pretty cool. Yep. The Death Riders coming back. Awesome stuff. Yes, God help us. Yeah. So that brings I'm glad to, they didn't mm-hmm. strip him that belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that they allowed him to defend. I wasn't sure what we would do. It felt like a lost cause at one point, you know? Yeah, but I mean, hey, yeah. Basically, well, now, next match we had up was, uh, let's see. The IWGP United States Heavyweight Title Number One Contendership Briefcase Match. Yep. Kenta versus Saito. Saitoshi Kojima. Mm-hmm. With uh, the reason why this match is happening, it was originally going to be Kenta versus Juice Robinson, but Juice has a broken orbital bone, so they put in Kojima as the replacement. Which to me, it kind of ruined it because at the end of the day, we know Kojima's not going over Kenta, especially if he's the replacement. And I yeah, question whether or not Juice would have. You know, I don't think Juice would have either. So, uh, finish to this was the Busaiko knee into the GTS. One of wrestling's deadliest combinations. And from this pissed off, mean ass Kenta too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like okay. everything Kenta does just looks like it hurts really bad. Including when he beats up Tenzan. Oh, boy, that Tenzan. looks like it hurts a lot too. He, he DDTs Kojima on the outside at one point. Kojima hits a DDT off of the apron, which looks really good. Um, but there's a point where Kenta goes for the briefcase. The ref goes to struggle to take it away from him. He shoves the ref off, pushing the ref, downing him, and then uses that opportunity to uh, go for a briefcase attack. But Kojima winds up swatting the briefcase away, 
and hitting him with a discus forearm for a close two count. Thought that was a good sequence because it almost looked like there was going to be a Bullet Club briefcase finish. But not today, Charlie Brown. Nope, but still, the Bullet Club does go over. Any yeah, thoughts I mean, on this match? Hell of, a, hell of a violent, violent match. Even though I knew Kojima wasn't going over, I'm glad that they at least made this as entertaining as if, if you didn't know ahead of time, you'd have thought maybe he had a chance. Yeah. Like Kenta did, Kenta had to still work for this one. Yeah, no, I they, mean, yeah, they they've been they've been grooming us to get ready for Kenta versus Moxley for a while. So yeah. it's like if you know the blueprints of wrestling, you know that's what's good. That's what's pretty much set for the horizon. Yeah, it did look very good though. Very good stuff going on here. You guys definitely need to watch that. Uh, oh yeah. So next we had a singles match. There's no title on the line. Hiroshi Tanahashi going up against Great Okan. Okan, you stupid. A great Ocon representing uh, Will Ospreay's new group, which is uh, known as the Empire. It's Will Ospreay, Great Ocon, B. Priestley, and Jeff Cobb. Yeah, so Jeff Cobb so, turned heel and joined Will Ospreay's little table here. <laughs> Ospreay got him a little army. Mm-hmm. And the finish to this is the double high fly flows, the one to the back, flipping the opponent over, then hitting the ropes again, going on the second one. It's one of my favorite aspects of Tanahashi. Um, when it gets late in these matches... He's not the kind of wrestler where he'll hit one and then you'll kick out and he'll hit again. He'll do it almost sometimes like you see in the games. He'll hit it multiple times in a row and then go for the pin. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Um, he looked really good in the match. I'll definitely say that about him. Uh, when I think about the stuff that happened, the nice strikes and kicks from the other guy, the Okan guy, he has a really good solid way of working. That's about yeah. brute strength and striking. Um, the Mongolian chops that he does, the pump, the the pump kick, very unorthodox for a striking style. Refreshing to have somebody who has that kind of thing. Um, at one point when he hits that belly to back over the top, um, and then Tana does the Shawn Michaels pull over the top rope sequence, looked really good. Uh, he does a dragon sleeper into a suplex, a reverse suplex essentially, which was solid, as well as uh Tanahashi reversing that claw that he does into the twist and shout. Uh, which the guy winds up going for a chair, but then we have the ref who grabs it, and then he just throws it to the side, winds up hitting a dragon suplex for the close two count. Another little solid sequence that they did there. A lot of brutality, a lot of uh, clashing styles here. I thought that it works really well for both of them. You know, this guy's yeah, all right, great. man. This guy's interesting. I like him. I want to see more. Yeah, he's a very very unique look, for sure. And I mean, yeah, dude absolutely did fantastic. And freaking Tanahashi, what can we say? The old dog still got some fight in left in him in his house, the freaking Tokyo Dome. Yeah, absolutely. Which they, they, which they had mentioned on commentary during his entrance. He's probably one of the most successful wrestlers in that building. Mm-hmm. He probably is. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Good looking yeah, stuff yeah. here. Tanahashi, I remember when he was the top guy. I remember when Okada wasn't the top guy at all. Yeah, and the way they treat him with the respect, Tanahashi's realistically still a top guy. Like he's hey, he he never is left out of the mix when it comes to a lot of these things. That's something in Japanese wrestling that you don't see in other, any other company, though. Is that all of their guys literally climb and then descend? Like you reach your peak and you're like the guy at your prime and you're the champion, and then after you're over your prime, you start going down the ladder. Yeah, became a guy who was a lot of six mans and was no longer like the guy. All these guys, Tomohiro Ishii, you know, Yuji Nagata, 
at one point or another, they were all the guy. And when you look at them, they're older men now, but that's the way that they handle wrestling in Japan. The respect is you hit that top tier and then you descend back down, you know? And uh, like I said, you don't see it anywhere else. So at Tanahashi, it's okay, because that's sort of what he's doing now. It's a slow climb back down, but he's definitely starting to make that trip down. And it might not even be time yet. Yeah, you never know. We've seen, I mean, it was what, two Wrestle Kingdoms ago, he won the world championship again. Like I said before, Tanahashi, that old dog still got some fight left in him. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. They, they they talk about it during G1, like he can't hang around anymore. No, like, Tanahashi still got some bite left in him. He ain't yeah. going nowhere no time soon. Mm-mm. Not at all. So after this, what was the next match? Uh, shoot, we talk about speaking of top guys. Up next, we had a grudge match. Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay with B Priestley accompanying him. Mm-hmm. And the finish to this match, by God, he did it again. Rainmaker on, on Osprey for the win. Yeah, he countered Stormbreaker into a sit-out tombstone into Rainmaker. Is the full sequence for that. Yeah. And uh, the match, great match. Osprey uh, has a violent point where he exposes the flooring at ringside with Okada struggling out of an attempted pile driver there um, I love the way Osprey really sells Okada's drop kick when he places him on the top turnbuckle and kicks him to the outside does a great job selling that uh, Osprey hits a reverse bloody Sunday call out to Prince Devitt uh, be a priestly also, I like her vocality on the outside. If there even is something cool, sit up powerbomb there where he catches him out of the dropkick straight into that. Like I was talking that about was before. That was rough. You know, uh, Bea Priestley is really vocal on the outside. Um, it was an excellent match because these are two of the fastest people in the entire company hitting the ropes and switching and reversing. You know, um, Osprey suplexing Okada over that railing on top of the thin tables was a really rough bump that he took. He had Yo, bloody welts I- on his back from that bump. Uh, I'm telling you, them Japanese tables, those fuckers, because it's like he didn't even break the table. He just punched a hole in it. Yeah, he did. And that avalanche hidden blade on the standing Okada from the back, I thought that was really solid looking. Uh, Okada yeah. trying to hit um, Osprey trying to hit Okada with the Stormbreaker on the apron, but then he went up just going for the Oz cutter. And then uh, Okada counters that into the tombstone on the apron. Yeah, kind of a rare mistake as well by um, Osprey um, vying to go for the hidden blade while Okada's looking at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like the the best the thing about that move is that the, the knockout impact comes from the fact that it comes from behind. You don't see it coming. Yeah, well, the whole match since it was to the wire was all based on who was going to make mistakes, which is what one of the yeah. defining mistakes of the match is Osprey on the outside. He slides in on an eighteen count right into a flash rainmaker where Okada doesn't get the full rotation, but it was definitely enough to contribute to the damage because yep. right after that, he locks in the money clip and to make matters worse, he transitions it into the tombstone, hits him with it and then back into the money clip. So it's like Osprey's one mistake of sliding in at 18 fucked him up because he got hit with a rainmaker. You know what I mean? Then money clip tombstone money clip. And Bea Priestley at this point had to save his ass. And she winds up eating a bump from her own man as a result. But it was like a desperate moment because of the amount of things that he got hit with. And Osprey thankfully gets to make it to the ropes there. So like I said, interesting storytelling here. Very solid, fun match. Osprey 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I love that it kept somewhat the theme of, and Rocky kept uh, mentioning it, hoping he would divert away from what he was doing during G1, avoiding the Rainmaker. The payoff was there because you still saw him going to it, but that finish was clearly to remind everybody, hey, this shit's still here. <laughs> this vicious ass short arm clothesline is still in his arsenal and he yeah. can still finish people off with it yeah but there was a lot Sorry. of teasing a lot yeah. of teasing like Osprey hits the Spanish fly and this is a point where Okada catches Osprey out of the Oz cutter into the money clip but then he arm drags out of that into a discus forearm followed by the Oz cutter for a close two count so it was back at one, point, I think at one point Okada hit a discus rainmaker yep he sure did. And also, uh, I like when he was slapping um, Okada in the face and he was like pushing the ref down and stomping Okada's face repeatedly, just brutalizing him on the uh, hard ass stops. Like Okada had a footprint on the side of his face by the end of that match. Yeah. And then the final big sequence before the finish was who we already discussed was the Rainmaker that he ducks into the avalanche Oz cutter from the top that got countered into the drop kick, into the spinning Rainmaker, into the money clip that he flips out of into the rolling elbow. Osprey then hitting the tombstone, signaling for the Rainmaker hitting it to that close two count for the final false finish, which finally then leads to him going for the one that you said was like the exclamation point saying, don't ever underestimate this move. Which, I mean, it's kind of, it, it builds, and it's what I love about the G1. It was a tool to not only, of course, get ourselves a, a Wrestle Kingdom main event, it built more for Okada's character. Because the whole story, like we said when we were talking about it, Okada was purposely not using the Rainmaker to develop, to basically more fine tune this new finisher. Okada is probably one of the most dangerous guys in that company now because he has what three or four different moves he can put people down with. Like, yeah, he's and, and he used to be hitting all of them. And it was good that he managed to use the G1 to develop a credible move. You know, that's why the, his whole story to telling the G1 was doing that. Yeah, pretty much like, I'm going to test myself. I'm going to see if I can win without the Rainmaker. And he was successful in doing it, which made this match with Osprey even more dangerous because Osprey's been watching him for a better part of 19 nights, not win, purposely not winning with this move. Yep. Anything else on this match? Yeah, once again, another classic. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to see these guys go again. Let's keep this going, shit. Oh, yeah. Give me chaos versus empire. I don't care. This brings us to the main event of night one, which is the IWGP heavyweight title and intercontinental title match. Tetsuya Naito defending both titles against Kota Ibushi. The finish, by God, he did it. Counters. After two, count mm-hmm. them, two unprotected knee um, Kamagoyes, Kota Ibushi is the new double champion. He counters Destino into two Kamagoyas. Both of these times where he had his knee pad pulled down because he uh, because Naito had already kicked out the previous one. I love the fact that after this match was over, Ibushi regains consciousness and hooks Naito's leg again. Yeah, he didn't know he won. <laughs> that was my that was one of the coolest things, and it was so subtle because I said I said this towards the end of the G one. That kid gave us everything he had to the point where by the time he won the match, he didn't even realize he won. Yeah, he hooked the leg and looked up at the ref, and the ref's like, no, no, you already won. And he bows and stuff. It was really cool. Naito presents him the titles, which was really cool as well. Oh, yeah. 
But then, of course, Jay White has to come because he ruins all of fucking the Bucci's celebrations. I hate that motherfucker. Yeah, because since he does own the G1 briefcase, it's him and Abushi on night two. Yeah. So we're going to have that. Oh, my God. That kid deserved that. He has worked so hard and he came so far. And it's kind of funny. After the match ended, it took me maybe an hour or two to realize it. The Golden Lovers are running shit right now. Yeah, I was thinking. I wonder how Kenny Omega feels like his his buddy accomplished being the top dog. And it's the reason he stayed. He wanted it was the one thing he still wanted. Like he purposely stayed because he wanted that heavyweight championship. But yeah, this match was absolutely incredible. If you are a wrestling fan, sit down and watch this shit. Now I'm not a fan of Jay White or the Bullet Club. But if you really wanted everybody to hate these motherfuckers, like to the point where they're foaming of the mouth, seething that at them, straight nuclear heat, where you could probably never forgive them, then tonight you ruin Kota Ibushi's life and you have Jay White in the main event face him and then have all your little shitty Bullet Club buddies out there and they just fuck him up. And that's it. And his dreams are ruined. All that shit about determination and hard work and the whole story that you told, just flush it down the toilet because you got a couple of buddies. <laughs> People hate it. You know what the bad part about it is? You know what the funniest part about it is? We would hate it, but that's how it's supposed to be because we're not supposed to like them. A story that you've been invested in that they've been building up going all the way back to the G1 with Kota Ibushi and even further if you come with the Golden Lovers thing. And then look at this. It comes full circle. The very, the very fucking stable that Kenny Omega was with comes and fucks his buddy in the ass. I guess that comes with being the territory of a golden lover. You still... <laughs> I tried to avoid it. I really did. <laughs> I'm d- I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I really don't want it to, but I'm saying if what? you really wanted to create nuclear heat, and there's no way that people would not want to tune in to see them get those motherfuckers back, which is what you kind of want to go for. Right. I would think it would be miserable, but that's part of the thing. You know, it's kind of like everybody thought it was miserable when Glenn got Spike batted, right? <laughs> but that was how it was supposed to be. That was the desired reaction. That's how they Therefore, kept it was a success. I think that it would be such a fucking tragedy in the story of New Japan for Kota Ibushi, of all people, to go into Wrestle Kingdom and leave with the two most prestigious titles against Tatsuya Naito, only to have Jay White with his shit shit-eating grin attitude and his bootleg bullet club come and take everybody's dreams away and don't they already have other titles you got you got fucking kenta there with the briefcase so he can fucking yank another title away if he takes him from oxley there'll be a double middle fingers right there and what about uh the tongans right yeah exactly it's yeah man it's so crazy like i because i'm gonna watch uh night two after i get in tomorrow i'm so nervous <laughs> but you know what? I like that. I like being on pins and friggin' needles, hoping that Obushi wins, but knowing that there is a possibility that Jay White could just shit on everybody's dreams. It's gonna make it more exciting. It makes those false. See, that's when you use false finishes. You don't just use false finishes because it's eleven fifty-seven or it's ten fifty-seven, and you're trying to fill three minutes. You use false finishes. When that's what's on the line. Like, oh my God, at any one of these counts, this could be it. This could be the thing that we either want or the thing that we're really worried might happen. And that's what you use a false finish for, where someone hits a signature and a finisher and they even have the ref interference and all this other shit. And then he kicks on you like, holy shit. And you grab your heart. 
The reason why Raw doesn't do that anymore is because they'll do a false finish with fucking Dana Brooke versus Natalia. What the fuck's going on here? I could give a shit who wins. <laughs> you know? Just as an example, I know they never did that. But, you know. But, yeah, th- this match was absolutely off the walls. This is the kind of match that makes me love wrestling. Like, I love the way that these two guys have their exchanges. And I love the fact that when the match starts, it goes straight into technical wrestling. It goes straight into nice, solid chain wrestling. Um, oh, yeah. And it just, I think that always sets the tone for it's going to be a good time. It's when you have two guys that go right into it like that. Uh, Naito hitting Ibushi with that German suplex practically on his head outside of the ramp. Oh, no, wow. practically. Yeah, Absolutely I watched it in slow He landed on top of his head. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, good opening that you're seeing right here with the transitional wrestling that's about to take place. I love when they get into that. That, to me, is what I look for in wrestling. I could care less about the quality of everything else. If you give me this properly, then I can forgive most other things you do. Uh, Naito hits a nasty neck breaker on the ring apron at one point. Ibushi hitting a Hurricane Rana from the apron to the outside. Naito hitting an Avalanche Poison Rana. Also, uh, he counters uh, the Kamagoya into the Destino. And it was like the Destino from hell when he hit him with this thing. Like, it was a really rough one. Uh, but Destino number two gets countered into... What what kind of pile driver is that that Cody is? I want to say it's almost like a um, cradle pile driver. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting little cradle pile driver. Yeah, okay. Which they, I love that they refer to the fact that he's beaten Naito with that move before. Yeah, and the way these guys were striking each other and the way it was echoing in the dome and the clapping was adding to it, which at the time I wasn't even fully aware they was clapping. I was thinking, holy shit, these guys are hitting each other so fucking hard that like it's, it's like the energy's bouncing off the walls. I'm like, oh, they're clapping too. So that's contributing. Uh, also, the Mist Phoenix Splash, old school callback to Coda. Uh, yeah, into um, the Destino two count, close two count there. Looked really one of good. my favorite spots. I think when they were battling on the apron, uh, Naito charged Abushi. Abushi hit a Hurricanrana. And I don't know how this lined up like it did, but Naito's feet, not one of Naito's feet went perfectly in between the bars. Yeah. It just slid in. <laughs> yeah. No, these guys are doing top tier shit during this. Yeah. And I love that at one point, and it's something because Naito's usually so kind of calm and cool and collective. After he hits Gloria, Naito fires up like I've never heard him before. Mm hmm. Like, there was I've a lot of that in seen, this. I've never seen a reaction like that from him. Yeah, no, there was a lot of, of of wild stuff like that in this. I think they did a great job overall of uh, just making this look really it, good. It was it was to the point where <laughs> I was watching this match and like I probably popped harder than I've ever popped when I realized he hit that last Kamagoye, and I'm like, holy shit! If this doesn't do it, they're gonna just they're just gonna fight all night. Mm-hmm. But like he. It, I think it was it was kind of interesting. They kind of kept when it came to Abushi's reaction. They were similar to in uh, G one because remember in G one nobody was kicking out of that thing. So when Naito kicked out of I think two, like Abushi really had this general look like how many more times do I have to hit him before he just goes away? Because that was really the story of this match. This was literally two guys. We're gonna keep hitting each other with these high impact moves until somebody can't respond again. And luckily for Abushi, he was still able to respond after after everything they put each other through. Yeah, like I said, solid, solid stuff here. Uh, loved night one. It stands on its own as a great show, and we haven't even gotten into night two, which will be starting in fifteen minutes from our time. That's how late it is here. So coming up, 
for night two. You have a couple of dark matches. You have the six-man tag team match called Queen's. It has a, the stables called Queen's Quest. AZM, Saya Kamatani, and uh, Yutami Hayashi Shishita versus Donna Del Mondo, which is Himika, Maika, and Natsupoi. Uh, you get another dark match after that, which is Mayo Iwatani and Tom Nakano versus Donna Del Mondo, which is Julia and Siuri. After that, the main show starts, which starts with the NJPW King of Pro Wrestling Fatal 4-Way title match for the vacant title. Toriano, Bushi, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens. Immediately after that, you're going to get the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match. Suzuki Gun, representing Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, and Kanemaru, defending their titles against Master Wato and Taiguchi. After that, you get the Never Open Weight title match with Shingo Takagi, defending his title against Jeff Cobb. Then you get a singles match of Sonata versus Evil. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match, Taiji Ishimori, and his opponent has not been revealed yet. What is that about? Oh, it's because I guess when they put this card together, uh, they put it together at the same time as night one. So he's going to get uh, Hiromu because Hiromu won that Super Juniors match. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. when they came up with that, it was going to be basically either um, Phantasmo or Hiromu who, who battled with him. Okay, I see. Okay, so that was determined in night one. Makes sense. And finally, for the IWGP Heavyweight title and Intercontinental title, you get Kota Ibushi defending his titles against Jay White, being accompanied by Ghetto, who might get him. All he has to do is win one more time, and Ibushi becomes God. It's too bad that it's Kota, as tough as Kota Ibushi is, it's too bad that it's Kota Ibushi and not somebody like Moxley. Because at the end of the day, this is a perfect scenario for Moxley, because the bell would ring... And Moxley would fuck up Ghetto immediately. Right. Ding, 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 ding. Ghetto and then he would kill him off and then get back in the ring and fight Jay White. Right? Ghetto wouldn't get to be around Jay's the ring like he that. He doesn't have his back up anymore. He would just kick his ass all the time. You know, keep him gone. But yeah, I'm looking forward to night two, which we will talk about next week. That's going to be fun. And to that, I mean, freaking, it still stands to this day, even after night one. Wrestle Kingdom is my favorite wrestling event of the entire year. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. Because they always deliver. Wrestle Kingdom manages to steal the show every single year. Yeah, they really do. Like, they, they, they're, that, that, that one pay per view tends to be just the standard bearer for what every other wrestling company has to try to keep up with. And then they mm-hmm. kick the year off at that. Yeah. They do an excellent job. Excellent. So I'm Absolutely. looking forward to, to a lot more. So now we get to talk about our Wednesday night wars, as we always do, which we're going to start with AEW Dynamite, whose plans were canceled. They originally were going to be doing a New Year special. This became a Brody Lee tribute show, which actually starts a bit earlier than when they go on the air because Tony Khan gives a speech prior to going on the air. Let's see, we got that here, probably got that here. Uh, it's an honor to all of us, really, that you're going to be here tonight, which is going to be, to us, I think, the most special night ever in AEW. Uh, it's the most special thing we've ever done, and it's for a very special person who deserves it, uh, the late, great Mr. Brody Lee. His family's here. It's going to be amazing. Thank you for coming. 
coming. I ask that you guys please if you can't, please don't swear or anything. We're gonna have to beep because I'm gonna mic you guys very hot. Uh, so please, no F words. Uh, and other than that, you guys have a have a great show. Thanks for being here. is definitely a classy guy very much you know it's good that we have people like that around to do the right thing and you know show respect to someone who was in the company well yeah it's like that whole that that new year special could wait absolutely he told them that they were going to be mic'd up yeah because he didn't want any f-bomb but he wanted to be able to get like a good audience reaction yeah like those were those people came there to celebrate brody just like all the wrestlers yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, man. So Dynamite starts. You get the 10 bell salute. And uh, John Moxley does a vocal tribute. The first match is Private Party and Matt Hardy against the Young Bucks. Finish being the Young Bucks and Cabana going over. Then those rapper guys come out and I see you throws them in the ring and the Young Bucks super kick them. Yeah, which I do like how um, the Bucks finished it because it was a melter driver into into Cabana's uh, Superman pin. It's a very dope little uh, way to way to um, finish it. And like we said last week when we talked about this card, as a way to help honor Brody Lee, every match had had members of the Dark Order in it. Yeah, and that's because the son enjoys that that stable, right? Yeah, yeah. Brody Junior. He um he's he really liked the dark the the Dark Order. And to correct actually what I said last week. Brody Jr. got to pick everybody in the main event. Oh, I so see. He, I so he so the you. main event, he put that match together on his own. I thought it was really just a whole car, but it's like, no, they just let him put just that match together. And he was there too. Negative one was at ringside. And uh as we'll get into later on, they let that kid even be a part of the show as well. So And he didn't botch, like Stasis just said. Exactly. So uh next we have Darby Allen. Um who uh he basically gives a tribute and he says that this is the number one dude that he wish he could have wrestled and you know he gives his vocals about that entire thing uh you get lance archer Stu grayson and evil uno going up against eddie kingston butcher and blade yep. dark order goes over with a uh, fatality i believe it is Yes, and I do like Archer walking the ropes like Undertaker into that springboard moonsault. Good looking stuff. And there. I love that he came out dressed as Luke Harper. Yeah, yeah. That he was looked awesome really tribute. good, but. Very, very solid stuff. It, it was crazy how emotional of a night that was for them. Because it was it was seen during. um, It was seen during when, when Cabana came out. It was seen after the Dark Order went over. The emotions were running high for those guys. Like, that had to have been the hardest matches they've ever had to wrestle. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we had Hangman Page with John Silver and Alex Reynolds. I don't know if Hangman's officially in Dark Order or what happened. I don't uh, know if it's that he's officially in, but being that he was so wrapped up in that storyline with him for the sake of honoring Brody for this night, roll with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was against the Inner Circle, MJF, Santana, and Ortiz. And uh, the finish being John Silver takes out Ortiz with Brody's uh, clothesline. Yeah. And uh, I did love the power of the paper spots where they expose their jackets and they all have papers. <laughs> that was awesome. 
Yeah, really cool stuff. Hangman hit MJF with the papers, too. He even had his fan, which you knew they had him because during the match he had them under his sleeve until he finally pops him with it. Yeah. Uh, MJF healing it up, screaming at Brody's son being a piece of shit. Wardlow showing and, and up. Brody canes him. Yeah, Wardlow showing up so that the freaking inner circle can pick the bones of the baby faces. And then uh, we get a surprise cameo, right? Yep, an old friend. Yeah, we get... Uh, I don't want to say his name wrong. I'll get in trouble. We got uh, Redbeard. Yep. A.K.A. Eric Wynn. This is ridiculous. The winners of this match. The team of Hangman, Adam Page, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. Negative one, baby. And, of course, you notice that Jake Hager stopped Sammy Guevara from going in to help Wardlow because they're going to fight next week. There's all hell breaking loose here tonight. Boom. I can watch that replay all day. Oh, the big guy's back in, too. Look at this. A very emotional time for these young men. Look at Big Red. Yeah. Jericho accidentally calls him uh, Eric Rowan and gets in trouble. Right here, like they're hoping they don't get in trouble. Shows you the emotion that everybody's feeling. It's as real as it gets, guys. I gotta tell you, it's good to see Eric here. I'm sure he's happy to be around. It's an amazing moment. This is real. The influence that, that Brody Lee had on, on everybody in this company and his former company. And for those uh, on-demand listeners, he held the sign that said, goodbye for now, my brother. See you down the road. Yeah. and I'm glad they let him come to be a part of that, too. Years ago, I remember going through the Dirt Chiefs to put together our program as usual. And this was at a point prior to AEW. But maybe it wasn't years ago. I'm trying to think of when was Luke Harper released? It was maybe... Around a year ago? It had to be maybe a year ago. Within the last, like, year. I remember Rowan writing a very long and very emotional tweet at the time about that and just about what, what Brody Lee meant to him. And at the time, I just found it surprising. Like, I didn't find it weird, but I just found it surprising. Man, like, they're really close. Because, like, when he, when he left, I just remember reading that shit. You know, like, it was really heartfelt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure we can go back that and find really it. really hard. But I mean, it was like some heartfelt shit just about how they were going to see each other down the road and how close of a person he was in his life and shit. And again, there was no AEW at the time. This is just us knowing them as the Wyatts and Harper being gone. And, you know, and the Bludgeon Brothers and all that. And then I remember just thinking about how close they were. So when this happened, like, I'm not surprised at all at the way it turned out. Just because I already had seen signs of that level of closeness and fondness to the sky way before that. So, you know. Definitely a sad situation there, you know? Yeah. I'm going to share his appearance for you guys on our social media and in the chat room. I've been trying to keep up with that as best as possible. Yeah, yeah. It was a very definitely. Because right now, um, he's still a free agent. He's not signed anywhere. So he could have gone anywhere he wanted. Yeah, that was it, one off. It's definitely cool that AEW let him be a part of that. Because 
even though he wasn't in AEW, that's still somebody who was extremely, extremely close to, to, to Brody. Yeah. It's a person you can't you they they had gotten to the point where even when Brody came over to AEW, you can't see one without thinking of the other. Yeah, I can't argue with you there at all. Eddie Kingston pays tribute. Anna J and Taya Conti have a match against Penelope Ford and Britt Baker. Anna J taps out Penelope Ford with the sleeper, I believe. Yeah. And then afterwards there's a pull apart involving Thunder Rosa. Which I do like that at one point. Um, I don't know if this was meant to happen or it was just emotion. But at one point, Anna Jay just stops everything she's doing, holds up the Dark Order symbol, and basically points to the sky. Yeah, of course. Like of it, course. it looked like she had a moment where she had to stop to gather herself. Mm-hmm. Jericho, uh, he does his tribute. And then we get a 10-man. Well, not really a 10-man, but we get Team Taz. uh Against Orange Cassidy, Cody Rhodes, and 10. So six men finish being 10 with the spine buster on Ricky Starks. That would never have happened on the other day. And that might be his first win in his whole life. <laughs> yeah. And I believe, yeah, this is the main event. The Dark Order swept the show today. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, uh, all of Team Taz attacks the uh, ring. All of them hook and all of the Taz guys show up. Powerhouse and everybody. And Darby Allen shows up with Sting. To ward them away. There's no physicality here. Just their music and presence alone is enough. Uh, what else? Um, For the televised stuff, that was it. But um, did you hear what happened after? No, what happened after? Well, basically what they... Um, well, actually how they ended the show. Uh, oh, they, the tribute, gave... they, they, they did a tribute to uh, to Brody Lee. Yeah, let's go. There, there was a tribute. Let's get to that first. Do I have that here? Give me a minute. Sorry, guys. We're live and there's a lot of different files. Yeah, a lot of shit you gotta get through. Complain when I'm charging you. <laughs> it ain't cheap around these parts. Yeah, right. I'm just trying to find the uh, cause I know they did a tribute. I think at the very end here. Yeah. Yeah. I. I had to write this memo the other day and I was looking I was looking for a quote just something that would encapsulate somebody like Brody Lee and I I, I came across this Samuel Johnson quote I I probably will butcher it but I think you'll understand it it says you can judge a man's character by how he treats somebody who can do him no good over the past over the past week we've heard all these stories of all these different people, these degrees of separation who were positively affected by Brody Lee. There has never been a wrestler in every company in every locker room, with every member of management to have that one-to-one connection. And that's why everyone is affected so deeply. In short, he was a beautiful man. And he leaves behind a beautiful legacy, and I want to introduce to you that legacy right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Yeah, so they bring the family out afterwards and uh they do a little tribute video right 
Yeah, they did um, a tribute video at the very end, I believe. I'm holding, I'm holding the title that... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here tonight. We're here to honor one of the, not only wrestling's greatest champions, but one of wrestling's greatest men, and a man who has one of wrestling's greatest families. And they're here tonight, and we put a special tribute together, and there's no better way for us to end the show tonight than this. So here's a tribute to a great man. Here's a tribute to Mr. Brody Lee. I would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Brody Lee, and I am the Exalted One. Well, my time went so quickly, I went lickety-splickly. Out to my old 55. the whole thing i'll just give you guys like a general yeah. idea of what they did as far as the tribute yeah. show him pictures with him i want to get dmca'd here so i could keep the video running without the uh, audio for the music right he purchased the rights to that song old 55 by tom waits uh and he said uh that way the tribute can last forever so when music expires and shit like it does on the network it won't happen here. They own this song now, so that this can stay the same forever. Good move. It's so wow. funny when you hear people. Uh, I think his wife might have mentioned it. The fact that I think we were talking about last week, the fact that the Mr. Brody Lee character is literally the polar opposite of how he really is. Yeah. And to see that he mastered that so well is amazing. Yeah, I do see that too. Yeah. But um, another thing I did for Brody Jr., because they brought him into the ring as well, they... um. Everybody, let's hear it for Amanda. 
Hey, he's backstage, and he's going to see this someday. Let's hear it for Nolan. Way to go. You guys are awesome tonight. I, I couldn't have asked you guys for a better way uh, to pay tribute to somebody so special to all of us. And the way uh, everybody was here and, and behind him all night just meant a lot. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Because um, basically, as you saw what they did, they uh, uh, they gave Brody the TNT championship. A lot of people were saying almost right to you, like, oh, they retired the title. No, they're going to make a new one for Darby so that he's still going to be good. But they gave him uh, the TNT championship. And I was thinking about it after the show, after the show went off the air. That kid stayed so strong through that whole show. and. It didn't hit me until you could hear Tony mouthing, it's okay, it's okay. At that moment, he finally just let it all go. Because I've been in that position before where you have to try to, where you feel like you have to try to stay strong for everybody. The whole freaking wrestling world rallied around that kid and his family. Because I've seen, I, God, I wish I would have found them. I wish I would have remembered where I found, where I saw them. But there were uh, clips where in the hotel, he was wrestling with some of the guys and he was hitting Brody's clothes. I think at one point he even ran to Adam Cole and um, kind of wrestled with him a little bit. Like everybody who had any kind of interaction with Brody was influenced by Brody. They all rallied around that kid family. And it yeah. was one of the coolest things I've seen in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, we're going to jump over to NXT, which the first match, I believe, was what? Isaiah Swerve Scott against Bronson Reed? Yep. Bronson Reed has really cool music, huh? I love <laughs> I love his graphic. Right? He might have my favorite graphic out of anybody. Just to see him coming down the fucking, like, Sydney Carolina ship. Oh, God. It sounds like someone's coming to kick your ass in that music. Doesn't, doesn't it? It? <laughs> it sounds like someone's definitely coming to kick your ass. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take them to get to the ring. That is the anthem for an ass woman. You know, I like song. Let me see if I could bring it. I don't really even care anymore. Fuck it. We're not. We're just trying to. We're reviewing it. Have some fun. Fuck it. You but know, yeah, that guy, he's been doing really good ever since that breakout tournament. Oh, yeah. For sure. That guy's been great. If we could get to the part where he comes out here. Yeah, that's a badass intro. That's an intro worthy of Big Boy. <laughs> that's something we've seen from Swerve the last few weeks. Let's not forget just not shaking hands with his opponent. 
weeks ago. Look at that shit. That's awesome. Talk about momentum continuing to build. Yeah, that's a badass intro. Holy shit. Yeah, I like that. I got goosebumps listening to that shit. That was great. Yeah. The best wrestlers in, in the world right now are on NXT. They don't necessarily have the best show, but I think that their roster could out wrestle any other roster right now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, There's so much talent and skill there. Yeah. So Bronson Freed goes over with the tsunami splash. Uh, and yeah, it looked really good. You know, oh, yeah. A lot of stuff. You kind of expected that result. Just they don't know what they're doing with Swerve anymore at this point. So I was just like, "Well, gotta feed another one to Bronson." So yeah, exactly. Look at this. Uh, let me see if I can find this bump here. You saw that apron bump that this guy took? It's directly from the playbook of WWE Hall of Famer Stan Hansen, who is a man that I know Bronson Reed has studied. This is rough. I never seen somebody turn someone inside out from a shoulder block. Not only a shoulder block, but one coming off the apron down at them, and you now, still now, turn them inside now, now, out. Here's my real question: Was any of that selling? Because I don't believe it was. When a guy that big's coming at you, better sell. <laughs> It'd be better than to try to stand and absorb the full brunt of that shit through your body. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> what happens when you do. <laughs> you know, I think the outcome probably be even worse. He probably meant to not take that bump as violent, but Bronson's body said, no, no, no. Yeah, crazy. Like, that's just scary to see a man that big, that confident, just run across the apron and jump. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Damn the match. I'm getting out the way. <laughs> so Gargano's doing this thing where he's superstitious now. He was afraid of a black cat mirror that he accidentally broke. Ladders going underneath them. We still got freaking Austin freaking uh, theory walking around with the way. And the actual name of the stable now is The Way, right? Yeah, it is The Way. The Way, that's brilliant. I swear to God, if they get Uganda Knuckles fucking shirts, I'm done. <laughs> because the opportunity is there, okay? Breezango has a match against the grizzled young veterans of James Drake and Zach Gibson. And Dango with a wild stave, stage dive, huh? That was scary. But nonetheless, Grizzled go over. And that's what Everrise come out. And act like assholes. I guess they want to get into the mix. But then they back off because after you see freaking a couple of guys take the ticket to Mayhem, you get the fuck away. Like, no. The Dusty Cup was announced, and then the Undisputed Era announced that Roderick Strong and Adam Cole will be representing Undisputed Era in it, not Red Dragon of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Yeah, which they've represented every year. So a little bit of a change up, I guess. Mm hmm. It works, though, because, I mean, after that many times, they think they've done the last two Dusty Cups with uh, O'Reilly and Fish. So it's like, give the field something different to work with. Yep. And then uh, we have more Lee and Boa shit. They're tough as I nails now. I knew you now. wouldn't pass this. They are tough as nails now. Reborn in the warrior spirit. He also gave them contact high. He had some shit in there that he was blowing in their face. I don't know. 
Now I'm more interested in this than I am in all of NXT now. I want to watch the. I want to watch this. Fuck you know what? Fuck everything. Give me Kung Fu the Next Generation. <laughs> you know, I'm completely invested now. You know, the motherfuckers, got, the motherfuckers got Reefa strength. Take me on this journey. Fill in the gaps of this story. Yo, what if that's their? What if that's their thing when they come back? Because they got the contact high. When it's like we have like angle with the straps down, they freaking go to the rig side and light up. When you said, "What if that's their thing?" I thought that you were gonna say, "Like, what if that's like the like that we the fucking foreign object that they bring to the ring, like the the smoking thing." Like, oh, then when the ref's not looking, that's what they take you out with. Fucking right, like, <laughs> boom. And then the ref has to act like he like the fucking the smoke all over the place, and the ref has to fucking act like nothing's going on. Like you don't smell that and see that. <laughs> It's worse than like than when there's like a chair or an obvious sound of something in the ring that the ref has to know so. But no, you just hit this like it, like I always get annoyed when the ref has to know so someone getting misted in the face, even though when you turn around their face is now blue or purple. Right. And you're like, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know how it's even worse. Can you imagine the ref turns around, he's looking at the announce table, boom, with like what was that, like a skull or whatever the fuck that thing was that was blowing smoke? And he turns around and there's fucking smoke <laughs> and a person's laid out. <laughs> you gotta act like it doesn't look like a Prince video or the fucking you, exactly. you gotta make sure that when you that it has to be one of those things that when you slide it out of the ring you clear the bottom rope because otherwise if it's like still in the corner so that shit's still gonna be fucking smoking in the ring <laughs> it has to hit the outside the ref has to do one of those things where he walks by and he scoots it off with his foot like, oh, you know, shit. just on a camera race so nobody sees it even though somehow the camera guy always catches it oh man I'm so Dude, invested in this, though. It's become one of my favorite... You know what's sad about it? It's become one of my favorite parts of NXT, not even because of the bit, because I wonder what we're going to say about it when we talk about it. Absolutely. I oh, can't wait shit. to see when they show up. Yeah, and then uh, after that, Mercedes Martinez kills Valentina Feroz. Oh, you wrote it nice, and mine says kills the jobber. It says same exact <laughs> words, though. Like, I screenshot, it says Mercedes Martinez kills, and the only thing that differs is a jobber. So the only reason I knew her name is because, uh, full disclosure, whenever I do these reviews, I pull up the Bleacher Report. Thing. Yeah, and they put yeah. up a story Ble- about her, right? Didn't she, her didn't she tweet out that this won't be the last time we see her? I think she did. No, don't you threaten us. <laughs> you know? They might call back Oscar for just one night. She's going to run people out and shit. You haven't seen the last of me, Mercedes Martinez. Wait, wait. There's no. plenty more where no. that came from. No, you know exactly what it's going to be. What? Valentina Pharaohs blast it off again. Yeah, pretty much. Next time I'm coming for you, EO. <laughs> uh oh. In my mind, I was like, is there another EO besides EO Shirak? Nope. She might see two of them by the end of that encounter, but she'll only Six be one. Seven, so fuck. How many EOs am I holding up? That's gonna happen if you can try to go go down that route. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, she she skipped a few beats when she came to this company. You know, like you had to stop off at the first armor shop and at least get just a regular leather tunic, you know, along with like a wooden shield and sword. Go out, grind the few jobbers, come back to stay at the inn. You know what I mean? Get your your quest, turn in your fucking early quests before you come around here like that. Turn in your early quests, motherfuckers. I'm seeing too many of that challenging. I like when it goes that way, though. That's how it should always be. Whenever someone comes on challenges, they should get killed. And it's like, you see, and that's why you don't do that. It just teaches people. Uh, so what else? We have Roderick Strong and Pete Dunn with the workhorse match of the night with Dunn going over. With an emphatic bitter end. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of sad because they just announced Roderick Strong. Yeah, we're going to be going for the tag titles, but Pete Dunne kills him. But that's because mm-hmm. Pete Dunne's on a different journey to trying to push him in the main event. But you know what? This show is a fucking nightmare because Balor and Dunne have a face-off backstage, right? And then uh, who else comes back? Because then it's like in the ring, it's someone else with him. It was Karrion Cross. It was Damian yeah, Priest. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that they that it was like random, but they can't decide who they want to feud for the main event. You know, like they have all these different guys. I don't want any four ways or anything. Cross comes I, out. I'll, I'll I'll take anybody, but but Cross for three hundred, Alex. And then Priest and Cross brawl. There's like this crazy barricade collision bump that they have. It's weird how sometimes everybody's there to split someone apart immediately. When there was no sign that seconds before that they would have had like a physical confrontation. And other times these motherfuckers can fight with everything. Throw lights, lampposts at each other. Throw fans <laughs> at each other. Knock over the entire rafters and all of the lighting. Destroy cameras. Set shit on fire and electrocute each other. And then everybody shows up later on. You know, it's like, what? What the fuck happened here? You know? <laughs> really strange. Um, Lucha House Party showing up here. I, I don't know if, uh, if I was on the wrong show or if they were on the wrong channel or what was going on, but Lucha House Party against Legado del Fantasma. And get this, just when you thought that shit wasn't strange enough, they fucking went over. In 2021, Lucha House Party. The Lucha going House over. Party. They showed up on a show. They don't even go here. And they showed up and fucking beat these guys. The Legado del Fantasma that they've been, that they've been pushing this whole time. Very sad. And now this Wednesday, fucking, uh, fucking Middle League has a cruiserweight title shot. Good for him, man. All right, fucking coming up. Main event: Leon Ruff versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. And Johnny beat the curse, even when, with the broken mirror and the black cat and the ladder. And yeah, Austin that, was the, Theory. that was the whole thing behind the superstitions. It's the return of the Gargano curse because up until this point, Johnny Gargano could not successfully defend the championship. And he did. With and one did. final beat on Leon Ruff. Right. And I have to say, Leon Ruff, it's... I, you gotta shed that gimmick, dude. It's as cool of a gimmick as it is. You're not gonna convince me that people are just kicking your ass like it's easy. That's That's over now. Put it away in your memory box. There's no way that you're going to be a convincing chump anymore. It's fucking impossible. You know, this guy can go way too much. And he's not small enough to be a cheeseburger. He's pretty fucking big, actually, for his for his weight class. You know what I mean? <laughs> that motherfucker's a double-decker, right? He's big, athletic, fast. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, the joke's over. You know, like it worked for them, but it's not work. You can't have him work like that and also have him be an underdog. He's That's not no underdog. You know, I want you guys to look at this sequence just to get an idea of what not a fucking underdog this guy is. Look at this shit. Where do you see an underdog here? Show me. I felt that one across the arena. Watch some of the shit that he does in this sequence here. Championship curse wants to put it all to bed to end 2020. You see the methodical pace here, Johnny's setting. Oh! And again, now where is that? There's a part here where he jumps all up. See, right here, that sequence that he does there. Break the curse, win by hook or by crook. That is my advice. What? Gargano, as you said, Beth, methodically now, just walking over to Leon Ruffin. And now, look at how crazy this is. Oh, no. The cat is back. Look at Ruffin. 
the Capitol Wrestling Center. Hurricane Rana takes down the champion. Challenger rolling. This but let's good, not forget, Ruff can't win the championship on the outside. Yeah, like the whole holy crap I won thing works on night one. After that, move on. Yeah, you can't hit the walls like that and then have a holy crap by one moment. You know, like you're good. Get used to it. Make peace with it. But yeah, Gargano goes over with his DDT. But then Dexter Loomis shows up because as Stasis put it, another white guy in the rafters. That's what wrestling is. That's what you have. (laughs) Whether it be Darby or Sting or Dexter. There's always going to be a white guy in the rafters waiting to you rain. Know, terror this one doesn't have face paint. I'd like to see a black guy in the rafters just to be different. <laughs> and no Wesley Snipes, no cheating. I want a, right. I want a black guy in the rafters. I want an authentic black man. Okay. Who can he be? What black guy would look good in the rafters where it wouldn't look weird? Damn. I mean, I think Jay Lethal could pull it off. Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal yeah. could be in the rafters. Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, they could do that. Oh, man. Probably not. You can put Will Hobbs up there with the limp. <laughs> Why is he doing that? I don't know. <laughs> Will Hobbs, like stop it. <laughs> you realize if Powerhouse Hobbs was a fucking, uh, yeah, King Quest and Velveteen. I guess he could be in a raft. It'd be a different it atmosphere. It won't be like dark and mysterious, but he'll be up there. It'll be all majestic and shit. But no, I thought about that the other day. The first time I, when I looked at fucking Will Hobbs, that's, you realize if he was a superhero, that would be his bat signal. Yeah, unfortunately, the you're lip right. in the sky. Stupid little lip thing that he does. Stop it, Will. I cannot come on here and complain about it every week. But every week that you make that face, I'm going to. So I'm something has to stop. This could be an endless cycle of negativity. Don't make that fucking face anymore, Will Hobbs. <laughs> Motherfucker looks like... <laughs> he looks like somebody... He looks like, he looks like he got an invisible fish hook caught in his lip. I hate it. <laughs> it's looking awful. All right. Well, throughout this show, they revealed who their their stars of the year are and all that other kind of shit. They had breakout star of the year be Shotzi Blackheart, which was quite obvious. Tag team of the year was the Undisputed Era. Male competitor of the year was Adam Cole, baby. Rivalry of the year was Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. Female competitor of the year was Io Shirai. Uh, event of the year was TakeOver War Games. And match of the year was Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly from NXT TakeOver 31. Oh, that is how they ended. But the numbers that I'm sure you really want to hear about have nothing whatsoever to do with that. They are the numbers of the ratings, my friend. So let's see how everyone's recovering from Sting. AEW did 977,000 viewers. That's only what? About 23,000 shy of a million. Yep, they almost tapped it again. Point forty in the eighteen to forty nine demographic against NXT's five hundred and eighty six thousand, almost half. Point twelve, far less than half in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. Well, Wednesday night wars are over. I mean, if that doesn't say it, I don't know what will. They they they've been over since AEW beat Raw in that demographic. Yep. Raw which we may as well just talk about. We're going to start stacking ratings. I'll do it more organized next week, but let's have a look here. Raw did 1.769 million viewers up from last week. SmackDown did 1.915 million with a 0.5 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Those are the ratings for this week. Yeah, definitely interesting stuff. Was that it oh, for yeah. NXT? Did we finish it? 
Yep, that was NXT. Okay, wow. Oh, that went that that went wonderfully. Absolutely wonderfully. I'm gonna look back on the news real quick to see if there's anything that I want to bump in there before we get to our get to next week's news. Because I'm not staying on here longer than maybe another 15 minutes, and that's gonna be deep overtime if I manage to do that. Uh yes, unfortunately, Mick Foley has tested positive for the Couve, which he announced on social media. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, I saw when he announced it. Yeah, I have something here. I think this is from him. If it's not, it's getting turned off. So please be from Mick. Hey, everyone. This is Mick Foley with the news that I did test positive for coronavirus following a virtual signing on December 12th. Uh, There were only two people in the room with me. They were both wearing masks. I did take my mask off so I could do a better job on the virtual signing. And one of the gentlemen ended up uh, having symptoms that later that night and uh, reported to me that he had tested positive. So I waited the five days and got tested myself, and I've been uh, stuck in a hotel room by myself for the past uh, 18 days. Uh, obviously not a lot of fun, worse than the physical effects of body aches and uh, loss of smell and affected hearing uh, and being easily fatigued is that I missed out on Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day with my family. So I want people to take this very seriously. I know that some will kind of get a kick out of me contacting the virus after being uh, so adamant about wearing masks and social distancing. I did. I did my best. Uh, No, I I could have done better. I could have done no appearances, but I did cut back dramatically. I did four virtual signings, two reality shows, two personal appearances, a commercial, and one uh, WWE event for The Undertaker's Retirement. In uh, that's almost 11 months. So I cut back dramatically. I had 12 COVID tests done. I tried to take it as seriously as I could, but it's uh, it's it's bad stuff. And I hope uh, all of you will take it very seriously. There's a vaccine and better days on the horizon, but there's still some tough days ahead. So please continue to wear your masks, social distance, avoid travel if you can. And hopefully we'll look back on uh, 2021 as a much better year in 2020 wishing all of you the very best and hoping all of your days will be nice i like how he had to keep score it almost like like the the covid thing is becoming like when you die when you're far in a horde mode in a video game and then then like as soon as you're dead all of your your stats come up like your kills everything it's like look at that like he's like i did like 10 signing five appearances three things like that's what we're gonna do have a chart of how many things people do before they catch it but then again, I also kind of wonder, does he just naturally keep track of that, too? Because yeah, now right? I think about it, he looks like the kind of person where he'd know that number. I guess. Well, maybe. He's on He's on the Cove leaderboard. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Yeah, probably not the leaderboard you want to be on. Uh, nah, nah. Uh-huh. Feel better, man. But I, I, I hate that he had to justify, like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, no, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry if you live in a world where this shittiness happens. Right. Yeah, so... You know, feel better, man. Feel better. And uh, another person who has tested positive recently is the original Sincara, Mystical. He put out a post in Spanish translated. It says there wasn't a worse way that I could say bye to the year other than testing positive for COVID-19. Hopefully this co- these discomforts end soon. God bless you all and take care of yourself. My friends, this is crazy. Bags under my eyes, headaches, my bones hurt, chills, weight loss. And I want to say to all of my friends who are checking up on me that I am well. 
That doesn't sound like it. Anyway, and to my family, I love you for supporting me always, but I will say that I am scared knowing that this virus that has killed many people is now in my body, but I am a fighter and it will not defeat me. It will be one more challenge in my life, a fight versus COVID-19. Yeah, just be careful, please, you know. Yeah, please do. Stay away from any fucking trampolines during this fight. Oh, damn. You know what the bad part about it is? When you said your original Sin Cara, for a fraction of a second, I thought you were going to pull up that picture on the Instagram live. Oh, God. I <laughs> I looked up and for a half second. It was pure terror because I was like, if that shit shows up. Yeah. Well, got to be careful. Yep. Then in other news, Dr. Chris Aman of WWE has COVID-19 vaccine in him. Isn't that wonderful for him? <laughs> Sore. Just received my first dose of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine this evening. So appreciative and thankful for all of the healthcare workers, researchers, and organizations that made this possible to bring this pandemic under control. Didn't feel a thing. That is great to know. And I'm uh, I'm going to be keeping tabs on his health for many years to come. We'll see how this works out. <laughs> What do you mean? Why did he say? Oh, that's true. Why did he say received my first dose? Stasis makes a good point. Why did he say receive my first dose of the vaccine? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Like, are we going? Are you going to do more than one? Like, I've never heard anyone say that about anything. You is there another dose after this? I I might not be available for that first one if it's that early in between doses. You know, I might have to sit this one out and see how everybody feels afterwards. You know. Make sure I have plenty of boards for my fucking windows as well. And ammo. In case any of you start acting funny after having this shit. That's my concern. This motherfucker said ammo. You know, if everybody starts acting weird or having fevers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm not. I'm going to be careful. I was just about to say, is he really? I'm going to be careful. I'll stay away. And I'll. you guys can all take it. And that'll help keep me safe as well. Because then you can fight it. You know, like if all of you have it, what the fuck do I need it for? At that point, we're just wasting valuable resources. <laughs> and I'm trying to be fucking sacrificial and be the better person here and let you have oh my batch. My by default, I won't need it if everybody else has it. So there you go. It's a win-win across the board. I don't get the coup. You don't get shot. <laughs> all right. Well, AW, a- they're going to be leaving the Daily's place. Because apparently... According to Bodyslam.net, it gets really cold there. Sub-freezing weather in and outside. They're going to move to a warmer location this February. And it's also so that they'll have a morale boost. I mean, I can see all of that working out. Who wants to be in a cold, gloomy place after someone you know has died? So that makes sense. Good for them. Good for them in, in that attitude. Yeah, I remember seeing, I think, on the last uh, Dynamite, there were some people that had, like, jackets and stuff on. All right. We now have uh, Mickey James got pissed off because uh, Fox put out a ranking or, or, a ranking grade for superstars. Do we do that now? That's what we okay. Do I have this? I do have this. There's a ranking grade for them, and it's Fox's ranking grade, huh? Let's see how this works. Oh, oh God! Wait. All right, ranking grade coming up now. Okay, so you have your A plus tier. And the only people in the entire SmackDown roster that are A plus tier are Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns. I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to openly just say that I, I have questions about them being the only A plus tier superstars. Bailey should definitely also be A plus automatically if Sasha's up there. Are you kidding me? How the fuck would Bailey be a tier below Sasha of all people? Why is Daniel Bryan below Roman? Why is Seth Rollins below Roman? Why is Rey Mysterio below Roman? Roman. Why is Kevin Owens Owens below Roman? What in the world? See, this is what happens when non-wrestling people put together a wrestling fucking list. Thank they God. Put Roman Reigns and Sasha Bates because Sasha just won the damn title and everybody's talking about Roman. Thank God, as ironic as this is, thank God that Daniel Bryan is above B plus, right? Like, wouldn't that I have mean, been poetic? Like, if after all those years of Stephanie saying that he's a B plus player, he would have literally landed on a Fox B plus list. I'm going to look at this. Excuse me for a minute, guys. I'm going to remove the overlay. I apologize, but I'm only doing it so we can get a better look here. We got to experience this horseshit. So Daniel Bryan, you're either as good as Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns, but then underneath them, if you're second place, you could be a Seth Rollins or Daniel Bryan or a Bailey. Rey Mysterio and Kevin fucking Owens are B-plus players along with the Street Profits. Big E, Otis, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, and Bianca Belair are just Bs. Carmella, Murphy, King Corbin, and Dolph Ziggler are C-plus. Cesaro, Nakamura... Bobby Roode, Dominic Mysterio, Ruby Wright, and Liv Morgan are C's. I'm not sure what happens. What what's underneath that? Who and Natalia, Billy Kay, and Chad Gable do they get a letter, or are they just exempt from letters? They, the, 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 all six of them are D. Oh, Natalia, get the fuck out of here! Natalia's not a D. And on that note, we're moving on from this shit list. And who's all the way there down at the bottom? Mickey, fuck, that's right. This whole Mickey thing started James, with Mickey, Mickey James being James pissed, right? Mickey Riley fucking James is down there with Mojo Riley, and Kalisto definitely doesn't believe. Yo, these people are blind as fuck and crazy. Wow. I once again say, this is what happens when people who aren't wrestling fans and just want a wrestling show on their fucking show. I can't believe that they put that shit out and weren't embarrassed. Because they don't actually watch this shit. They don't know, they don't know how stupid it is. If they were actually wrestling fans, they wouldn't have put it out to even be embarrassed. They would have just not seen the light of day. What do they need a fucking list for? Somebody should make a list in this in this wake, like with the same graphics of the amount of shows that Fox has fucked up and canceled. Let's on A plus put Firefly. And let's put Family Guy on B and C. Since you canceled them multiple times but had absolutely fan fan the man brought the shit back. Let's bring up everything that Fox has blown. What, where's Greg the Bunny, Fox? Is it a B or a C? Ugh, that's crazy. Anyway, she tweeted, The only thing I've ever failed in was trigonometry. Hashtag true story. Also, who made this list anyway? And then she tags WWE and Fox. Please have them contact my agent. Hashtag thank you. I can't even blame her. Those are all, those are all good questions, you know? All right. It's time to wrap up here with the end of the weeklies. Um, I'm just literally going off of memory of anything relevant on SmackDown and Raw before we close the show here. What do you want to talk about in regards to SmackDown? Uh, well, Big E and Corbin actually had quite a good match. Yeah, even though they're not nowhere in the, near the top of that tier, though. That, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, that tier got fuck off and die. But, uh... <laughs> feel disrespected even viewing that shit but <laughs> yeah it um it actually wound up ending a dq because Sami Zayn, who was on commentary jumped biggie 
But the party was not over. Because then uh Biggie and Corbin actually wound up turning they wound up turning into a tag team match. Which it was uh Biggie and, and let's see, we had Biggie, Apollo Cruz, and who the fuck was their partner? Or was it just those two? Oh, I must have been just those two. Against um it was Zane and uh yeah, Theo was just Biggie and Apollo Cruz versus Sami Zayn and Corbin. Right. Yeah, Cruz actually uh Cruz hit <laughs> Cruz hit Zayn with that that toss power bomb I call the cruise control for the win. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this as usual, fucking is Corbin getting faster? I know I ask that every time, but seriously, is he getting fucking faster? Hey, he's looking good out there. Definitely looking good. Because like the dude is incredible for it. Like we all we we I think we've been we'll probably talk to the cows come home, but the fact that like that dude is incredibly quick for his size. Like he's gotten he gets he gets I feel like he gets better like every couple of matches. You're spot on with that. And that brings us to the Riot Squad against Tamina and Natalia being accompanied by Billy Kay. Yeah, because Billy Kay's still doing like the kind of. Ah, I, I, I wish I could find my partner. Hashtag find my partner. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I pray to God she doesn't wind up as disastrous as her former partner. So. Did you check that <laughs> farmer's dating thing? <laughs> oh, God. You don't have to be lonely. At, at billyk.com. <laughs> what a shitty thing. Just remove her tag team partner for no reason. Anyway, Riot Squad goes over here because I don't give a shit about uh, what's going <laughs> on here. And Billy K isn't even cool enough to hang out with the Riot Squad because uh, she tries to become an honorary third member and then they just kind of just abandon her ass. They're like, nah, you're too old. I'm kidding. They don't it's, say that. It's just funny to me that. Once upon a time, we heard that they were basically going to forget about Billy Kay and then push Peyton, and lo and behold, Billy's the one with the more interesting shit. Uh-huh. Like, I watch SmackDown, and when Billy shows up on camera, I get excited. I see Peyton, and I'm just like, all right, who's jobbing? Yep, who's jobbing who? Anyway, Sasha Banks <laughs> and Bianca Belair. I couldn't even bring myself to laugh for <laughs> Dr. Michael Jones, Bianca Belair against Bailey and Carmella with Reginald, Reginald Grayson of the Flying Graysons because he's flipping and dipping all over the place just to show how great he is, right? I was trying to figure out if that was really a thing he used to do. I mean, dude, why would you see him flipping it, back, flipping off the apron da, 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 and cartwheeling around like, ha ha, Sasha Banks can't catch me, flipping it, flipping it, flipping it, flipping it, flipping it, flipping you know, like, what's the point of all of that shit? That's weird. Like, we get it. He's very athletic. He can flip around. Leon Ruff is already doing that kind of stuff, though. And he's doing it with men that are actually attacking him. I appreciate Reginald's athleticism. But when you're flipping away from a girl in a match that you're not even in, like, it's not really that talented. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a good hey, flip. Girl, look what I could do. Good flip, but you're on the apron interfering. You know, it's not like you're very clever or anything, you know. You could also just jump off the apron and it's just as effective as backflipping. As a matter of fact, more so if you just drop off the fucking apron. As a matter of fact, there must be a strategy, a reason why people like Ric Flair and the other horsemen and heels of the Grey Pass simply dropped off of the apron and just were there to interfere. Maybe it's less fucking noticeable if you're not flipping through the air. Reginald. <laughs> but they want to make Reginald flippy-dippy now. For whatever reason. <sighs> Bailey and Carmella go over here. 
real best friends, right? Not just storyline best friends. Yeah. What else happens in this? Uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan and Otis teaming up to take uh, on the team of, man, remember when they used to be good, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Which, by the way, I got to say, I love, uh, speaking of freaking that, I love the fact that we have uh, the parody thing that happened with the tag teams, with the Street Profits making fun for the second week in a row of Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> showing the split screen of him and Shawn Michaels and how he basically steals Shawn Michaels' moves. You know, I thought that was really solid. Yeah, too, too bad he doesn't steal, steal the success of the world champion. No, he doesn't. Daniel Bryan and Otis do go over here. Uh, Bryan hitting Cesaro with the running knee, the bicycle knee, uh, and then hitting the LaBelle lock on Nakamura to submit him. Uh, I believe main event is Jey Uso versus Kevin Owens. Yes, sir. With, uh, doesn't even matter what happens here because at the end of the day, they fuck Kevin Owens up. He handcuffs Jay during this, but then Roman comes out and he winds up eating a nasty bump. Nastiest bump, I think, of probably the week, right? Oh, hands, hands down. Let me see. Can I bring this up on here? Should I be bringing this up? I know we're trying to wrap up, but since our SmackDown review was so lazy anyway, I'm like, fuck it. Let's at least bring up a good bump at the end. Let's see what we got here. Owens is being used as a battering ram. It's Now you know. The hell am I? Oh my God, no! That's rough. You know, Roman's beatings are getting uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I'd be concerned for people's safety when that shit happens. And the other standout thing, and I mean, I hate to have to judge. I'm not trying to oversee here with my nose up, but talk about fucking lazy. You want to hear lazy? Sonia Deville, right? She returns, and all they had was this scene. I'm not even gonna, you're seeing maybe one one frame out of the five they used. This was just it. She just walked down the fucking hallway, and then they went on to other things. That was the return. Her walking this little spot that you're seeing, you just see her just walk past. And that was all. That could have been anything. That could have been a running. That could have been a promo. Just, just anything. What was that? Are you checking the pulse of the fucking writers? No, the golf clap. Oh, okay. And it got slower and slower due to my disappointment. I thought that was the writers literally dying after you have taken their pulse and that they're passing away. Because I'm like, how the fuck did you like have a return <laughs> happen? I didn't even catch this in real time. Legit, you know what? I watched SmackDown. Must have not been looking. And when I went through the sheets, found this story. And I looked at Stasis and was like, Sonia Deville was here? And she was like, yeah, didn't you see? I'm like, no. <laughs> what the fuck? I looked away for a second. This piece of shit company... Oh my god. How little time did the, it's like I watched all of SmackDown. You know how I must have had to check a fucking text or something, dude? To miss to miss a fucking return? I must have sneezed when this shit happened. It's ridiculous. You couldn't give a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Like I but I think we gave more attention to her departure than they gave to her return. Oh my god. It's just strange, man. Like why even do that at that point? Why show her walking on the hallway? Normally when you show somebody walking on the hallway back in the day it was because you were showing that they were on their way to the ring. Where the fuck was she going? She never showed up. Oh, they had to edit that part out, man. Budget cuts. Anyway, Raw. Good Lord, Raw. This is the legend show. 
which they by whipped the way, out the old people. They broke out the old people. Kind of like, kind of like when Brian Pillman died, and they sent the They sent the old people in the show. Oh my god! Like it's like there's no energy, there's no effort going into when they're doing shit like that. That's you know the part that's they whip stressful. out the same six people every show. And by the way, don't don't um. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember what Dorchita was that said Carlito was going to be there. Carlito didn't fucking show up. But who would care? Like, oh, Car- Carlito would save the day. You know what? That's what they need. Oh, the next time they're worried legend. about, the next time they're worried about having to go up against ratings, like of the Super Bowl or the dog show or the Emmys or whatever, call in Carlito. We'll pull the trigger. And I love how, I love what, what, it, what become their classification as legends because, uh, Alicia Fox. Really? Legend? Carlito. Which, by the way, really? uh, get this. This is another story that I read. They quietly just moved Mickey James over to being a legend. Yeah. Which tells me they're salty about that fucking Oscar finish. Ain't no benefit of the doubt with that shit. They are fucking pissed. Yeah. No, they quietly, quietly moved her over to being a legend. They just classify her as a legend. It's ridiculous. Best girl on your fucking roster and you move her to a legend, you little dick pricks. Yeah. <sighs> uh, and who, who they had her as an F or whatever her, her rating was. Really sad. Okay. And you wonder why I refuse to give this, this company the benefit of the doubt because they do stupid shit like this. So I'm going by memory on this one more or less too, but Hogan opens via satellite. What you're going to do, brother? When Hulkamania goes satellite on you, brother. And they didn't even acknowledge in the start of the show the fact that basically somebody must have got lit on fire last week. Think about that. In the span of the seven days, we ended with apparently a girl getting set on fire. We opened with Hogan phone. It was something else. And uh, then we go straight into Miss TV because it's a legend show. So why not have Miss TV with the New Day being the guest? They talk about their show, New Day Talks. Teddy Long's cameo where he's going to make them go up against The Undertaker when Adam Pearce has to show up and whisper to him that there is no Undertaker. So instead, he does what he always does, and he makes a tag team match. New Day against uh, Miss TV. <laughs> uh, what was the finish of this? Uh, fucking, yeah, New Day. Oh, I remember what happened now. Uh, Kofi distracted Morrison because Morrison is a fucking idiot. And... Woods rolled him up and got the pin. All right. So yeah. Yeah, half pin. Miz and Tyre's wife lose again. You get cameos like you said: Alicia Fox, Tatanka, Mickey James, Sergeant Slaughter. That's the category of people that we have just hanging out in the hallway. They pay you big money to come here and hang out in the hallway, stand around. Nothing really special. They didn't really even show up at ringside. That's just them in the background. Such a lazy fucking attempt at a legend show. Don't give me these anymore. Don't give me these. Ah. Uh, Almost, almost got Riker during his match. <laughs> you know, kicked that guitar all to pieces. Almost. <laughs> they changed his name. It's Omas now because they don't want you to almost misspell that shit. You fucking stupid. You are fucking stupid. Yo, I can't look at that guy without laughing now, thanks to you. Because every time <laughs> I look at him, I just think it's almost time for Christmas. God. From that meme. That's such a funny meme. It's so corny that it makes me laugh. Every time I see him, I'm like, it's almost time for Christmas. That's great. Almost. You just swap out the holidays, it'll be great. Yeah, because who was the match here? It was AJ Styles against uh Elias. Elias and then right. With AJ actually going over with the Styles clash, which he hasn't been doing a lot lately. 
Right, and Riker tries to ambush him with the guitar and almost kicks it all to pieces. Omas <laughs> kicks it all to pieces. <laughs> he did it so fast, I didn't know where the guitar went. Lacey Evans has her match. What was this? Uh, this was no, This was a tag match. This was Jobber 1 and Jobber 2, a.k.a. Lacey Evans and fucking Peyton Royce against uh, Charlotte, Charlotte and Asuka. And, Asuka. And, and, fucking, and Lacey I Evans is what, obsessed what? with Ric Flair. She's trying to do the strut on the outside. She fucks with him a few times. And for some reason, the dirtiest player in the game winds up costing his kid a match. I guess the I thing guess, that they're I, tr- trying what, to go what, with is that... Did he, like, accidentally and then, like, not look? Like, I, it happened so fast, I was confused. Like, See, the thing is, I, what they're going for is that I'm, I'm assuming he let Lacey get in his head with the flirting and the being silly and shit. But what happened is a common mistake when they're trying to do it is generally when a heel's going to grab a leg, the way he does it so that the ref doesn't catch him is they're not looking. They're looking away like they're doing something else, but they're timing when the person's going to hit the rope so they could quickly pull the hand out, whoop, grab your leg and fuck you over. Flair mistimed. So thinking that he was grabbing the leg of uh, Lacey instead tripped Charlotte. Okay, that's what I thought was happening. Right. Because he's looking the other way so that it doesn't look like he's doing anything. He grabbed the wrong person. And that's why that's why that whole thing happens. She gets in his face and she's like, stay out of my business. And he's about to cry and all that other shit happens. Oh, man. Kids, right, Rick? So basically, Can't live with them. Your... Can't live with them. First so Orton, then Charlotte, which speaking of later on. Orton gets another chance to shit all over Ric Flair, and he says that he looks like Ric Flair, and that he even talks like Ric Flair, but that he's not the Ric Flair that has taught him everything that he knows, and that he's pathetic and old, and he says a whole bunch of other shit, too. Like, he goes in for a while, right? Shit was amazing. It's so funny, like, (laughs) Monday Night Raw's logic. We're going to have our tag team champions lose to this random island of misfits jobber team. Cool, guys. Yeah, I know. Mac and Seamus run into Hogan and Jimmy Hart just to have that nostalgic what you're going to do brother moment with Mac. Glad he got that. He doesn't get much lately. He didn't even get a crowd for his title win. So at least he get Hogan. Uh, Bobby Lashley hit Matt Riddle with the real Dominator. Not that shitty one <laughs> that I've never seen before that almost doesn't look like a move. He pulled out Farouk's fucking Dominator. He hit him with it, and they even said shades of WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons. So they knew, and they know. They must have told him, go out there and hit the Dominator. Not that shitty, ugly, safe fucking move that you hit. And he hit the real Dominator, one of my favorite fucking moves. He so. didn't hit He didn't hit Allison Kay's AK-47. Yeah, that he shit sucks. Fucking... Right. It, I don't know why they allowed that because I'm sure the reason why they don't do it is because there's no way for you to protect yourself with that you know dominator. It is? You know? Because that's a move that's built for a woman. You can't be a dude and do that move. Yeah, you're right. I hate to say it, but you're absolutely right. If if if, if, if freaking Dallas K does it, it looks fine. Why? Because it's built for her. And he's using it as a signature. It's the dominator into the for the hurt lock. That's Paul fun. Nelson. That's crazy. I like it a lot. Mark Henry on a fucking scooter scooting on into Raw because his legs fucked up. Honestly, that was a visual. I wish it would have been crutches. Crutches looks more dignified than when you're a big man on a little scooter. And Randy Orton tells Mark Henry to pedal your ass on out of here. Scoot. He literally goes, pedal your ass on out of here. Go on, scoot. Scoot your ass on out of here. And Mark Henry kind of. Another grown man told me that's. 
I feel so bad. He had no choice but to scoot away. He did. I got, he I got to got, you, you, you tell me to scoot. I'm going to find you down the street one of those days. He's like, do you remember when you used to be the Hall of Pain and you used to hit me with the World's Dangerous Slam? And I was thinking, yeah, I'm pretty sure he would have a grudge. I remember that match, too. He beat you clean. You looked up at him defiantly. You couldn't do anything. He world strong and slammed you for the world title. I haven't forgotten about that shit. So I imagine you <laughs> must remember. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, he brings that up. And it's funny because I know people who are on longtime viewers wouldn't even know. They'd be like, what? But no, go back and look. Back when Mark Henry was Hall of Pain, he beat him clean. He fucked him up. And that's what he brought that up because I always, I still think about that sometimes. So there you go. Orton doesn't forget about things. That's like that time that CM Punk didn't forget about the fact that Orton punted him. He brought it up from like a year earlier. He was like, remember <laughs> yeah. when you punted me? <laughs> I love when shit like that happens. I, I lost the WWE CW title. <laughs> I love when they do things like that. So that's a callback. He's pissed off about Hall of Pain, Mark Henry, now. We've gone through fucking we, we we've gone through salmon colored fucking sports jacket Mark Henry since then, and he's all the way back angry or fucking Hall of Pain Henry. But Orton was a little stalker throughout this thing. He was popping up around legends like, "Hey, hey, Big Show, want me to fuck you up?" Like that was pretty much his attitude. Like he was going up to legends, just like showing up in the shadows. Like he was in almost every scene. The whole show, every time somebody was there, he would show up and just shit in there. He would piss in their cereal, no matter who it was. Every fucking legend got a visit. He was like the ghost of Christmas fuck you. Because every <laughs> legend on this show, it was more, the legends were only there for Orton to come out from the shadows and shit on them. <laughs> it was like, hey, you're a legend. I set a motherfucker on fire and I think you're an old piece of shit. Bye. And then he would just leave. The ghost of Christmas fuck you. Like he shitted on everybody. It was incredible. Poor Ric Flair in case he didn't have a shitty enough day with his daughter. It's like he caught him backstage too. Like, yeah, you know, you fucked up Charlotte. You fucked up her oh match. You're an old piece of shit. You are just there. I have cried. That's the funniest fucking thing I've heard this year. He's doing a good job at a heel. He just shitted on everybody's oh. injuries. He went up, he saw shit he did to Mark Henry. He went up to Mark Henry. He's like, hey, Mark, I just wanted you to know that I entered myself into this year's Royal Rumble. And he said, what about oh. you? Did you enter yourself? And then he looked at the scooter and went, oh, wait, you're on a scooter. Oh. Scoot your ass on out of here. <laughs> you know how upset I am that I can't write down the girls to Christmas fuck you with a title. Yeah, Orton, man. I can oh. I can totally see people are like, how's he gonna be the heel with with the fiend? It's like, well, that's how he shitted all over everybody. He should have shit on Hogan too. I'm like, remember that time I RKO'd you on your car in front of Brooke? By the way, I fucked her while you were in the hospital. Just go out with it. <laughs> Bubba wasn't the only one. <laughs> it was Randy the Love Sponge. The, oh, it's Randy Orton, man, the Raw Legends killer. <laughs> The Raw Legend Edition killer. He just kills the whole fucking product if you make it Legends. Oh my god. This dude goes and finds Legends of Wrestling's disc just to snap them in half. <laughs> hey, what you fucking... That game <laughs> fucked me up, yo. Uh-uh. <laughs> Hated that fucking game. <laughs> but yeah, this whole, the whole story of this Raw was just building up with a piece of shit. And I'm, you know what? Now thinking back to it, I'm disappointed because I remember every time it happened, I just shrugged it off like, oh, well, because later on, I don't know, something cool, maybe Edge, something's going to happen here. But nope, he just fucking shit out everybody and went home. 
I was like, oh man, you guys, they, they paint some shitty messages, right? Like on their Christmas special, they set a woman on fire or, or, or left the cliffhangers. They set a woman on fire. Merry Christmas, everybody. And that was the end of that. <laughs> it's just like the weird, ghost you know? Christmas, fuck you. You really, they really are the fucking ghosts of Christmas. Fuck you. You know, like, like no one can have a good fucking time on this show. Instead of presents, somebody just gets set on fire. Like that is amazing. Oh, God. They really want to give you the sense of hopelessness. Randy Orton got the shit low of everybody. It was, it's almost like what we talked about, the Booker T thing. Like, the whole point of them having that angle was so that he overcomes eventually, and that's the payoff. But then it just never it happened. Never does. They did it again. Like, Randy Orton, like, when you think back to it, Randy Orton's been really fucking up all these old people. Like, one time he turned, remember the time with the night vision guard, he turned out the lights and just beat everybody up? Like, they never got the comeuppance from that. This is like their well, return. No, uh, yeah, well, yeah, because that was after the ambulance match. Never mind. Yeah, that's why he shitted on Big Show. He came back to him like, remember when I fucked you up? Then he went up to, to Ric Flair and he said, how's your head? Like, he's reminding them. So I was thinking that this is all going to be for comeuppance at the end when Edge or somebody gets there. But it wasn't. All the legends went home feeling like shit. The end. All right. Well, that's some good heel storytelling right there. Don't fuck with him. All right. Anyway, what, what else? I'm going to go off of just... More memory here with this. We had, uh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's another great thing. I just remembered. Oh, my God. How could I forget this? This to me, I don't know if it even tops what we just talked about. So, Shayna, the match was Shayna versus Dana, right? Uh, yeah. So, Shayna has Dana in the Kiri Fooder clutch, but inadvertently, because of Dana's positioning, and they've done this trick before, her shoulders are down. So, Shayna winds up getting pinned. Because Dana's struggling in that Kiri Fuda clutch, uh, fucking beats her. And the thing is, I don't mind that, but it kind of feels to me like Shayna and Naya are accidentally getting pinned a lot. You know what I mean? Like, this is Jar Jar Binks levels of fucking stupidity when you're accidentally getting pinned all the time. You know what I mean? I feel like one day one of them is going to be at catering and they're going to fucking slip on a wet floor and slide into the ring under Lana with the way that they just get pinned fucking randomly. It's the weirdest thing in the world. So then you try to say to yourself, all right, well, whatever. They're doing this thing where Shane is getting fluke beat because there's no way she can possibly get beat. She angrily gets in the ring and Dane and Mandy beat the fuck out of her after the match, throw her back out over by the announce table. And then the two of them are standing there looking down at her, flexing like, yeah, bitch, yeah. And Shane is looking up at them beat. What happened here? What the fuck happened? (laughs) It's like, hold on a minute. I missed the part where they actually became two badasses. You realize this, right? Like, it's kind of like at some point, somebody in, in developmental or in creative decided that these are two badasses, and that's just what they're running with. They literally just cleared the ring like two superheroes and were standing there, hands on their hips, flexing veins out their fucking muscles while Shane is on the ground defeated. That's so ridiculous how this went from an accidental fluke to now they're just kicking ass. Like, I feel like Lana's going to come back and be the third member of the team, the third ass kicker, you know? Just such a strange change here. Uh, Orton wrestles Jeff Hardy, fucks with his earring hole, and then they're putting over how ruthless he is. But then the camera angle comes in super close on a whiffed fucking knee drop from him. Like, moments after the fucking piercing thing, it's kind of like you're trying to sell me on the fucking, on how ruthless this guy is, but then when he does the forehead knee drop that he always does, this is the one time you guys choose to get the bad angle, and this is the one time he chooses not to lay it in. His his knees elevated way above this guy's head. There's no contact or anything close to it. Ruthless Orton. 
<sighs> uh, Melina gets a cameo. Looks like a freaking housewife of Monday Night Raw. Real housewives of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Melina. She's hanging out with Lucha House Party. She's doing the Lucha Lucha chant because she's Spanish. They're Spanish. Why not? Right? That's good creative writing for you there. You guys Spanish? Yeah. You speak Spanish too? Yeah. Lucha, Lucha. Good. Good, good old Pritchard logic. Bullet point They're check. Spanish. They do it too. We did it. That was another one. That was another great cameo. I'll remember for years to come. Are we ever going to forget this night of legends? Yes. Yeah. I already did. You know, I remember nights of legends that I would feel that way. Like, wow, we're never going to forget this. This was a nice little reunion. Everybody got to come out and be a part of the show. This felt good. Look at that. They even have the old logo on the bottom and have the old music when it comes on. They even have the old annoying siren and shit and the transitions are the same. This is fuck you lazy where I almost don't feel like paying for my network anymore lazy. Like this was lazy legend show that we will forget. I already forgot it. I've been forgetting it as I'm talking about it. I had to have death to remind me how many fucking times that will happen. You know, you know what this actually was? What? This was... We have to find a solution. AEW beat us in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, and that's the solution. They'd like if you combine all that's of the appearances, the legends together, be, 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 what because, because in their minutes? in their bubble, when you see the legends ratings, but to, just them scattered around the hallway like that is fucking lazy. They didn't do anything. They did nothing. There's no pandemic excuse here. You guys don't have somebody uh, intern or something who changes your graphic. You couldn't change it to the old W like you used to make the ring look a little bit more retro. Have the legend show up for a fucking segment in the ring. There's nothing that we could have done to make this better. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. They don't even give a fuck at this point. Really stupid. Then you get Angel Garza, who's coming on to Tori Wilson. Well, then she says that Cardi B or whoever is in the other room. Which, if, if it was me being a man who has self-respect for myself, I'd go the other way. I would go with Tori Wilson anyway. I would have been like, oh, God, Cardi B, good. You think she's going to come I'd go for the bitch I actually know. Because if not, we have privacy right here. But uh, no. He goes, oh, Cardi B. Which you know that he doesn't know who the fuck Cardi B is. Anyway, Cardi B. And he goes in the room. But no, it's not Cardi B. Tori Wilson set him up. Don't know how. But it was the boogeyman. Ha 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 ha. So he runs out of the room into our truth, who then gets back his title that apparently at some point Garza won. Yeah, he and won then, it during some like New Year's Eve live stream. Oh, great. Too bad I missed it. Camera pans out. Ron Simmons, a.k.a. Farouk, standing there. Dramatic pause. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Drew McIntyre has his title match against Keith Lee with all the legends lining up, standing around. That's the one time that we use them to have them all stand around and applaud. I think Molly was out there too, right? Yeah, Molly was there. Oh, I'm glad. We hardly ever get to see her. Such great use of her time. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I got to see motherfuckers I see almost every single day of my life and Molly from the corner in the background applauding. Good job there. Uh, Keith Lee did hit a fucking Spanish fly on Drew McIntyre. Wow. Don't do it again, though. Yeah, that one, he usually hits that way better. I don't know what happened with that We don't one. need it. Don't need it. Just tell him not to do it. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Like sometimes you, know you, know, you know what the bad part is? That's the one time he's ever fucked up on that. Every it, one it of them, even... they come out perfect. I don't know what went wrong with that one. But he doesn't need it. You know what I mean? I mean That's the problem. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need to Spanish fly people. Yeah, see, but it works with how Keepley is, which is a big man who does shit that big man ain't supposed to do. In a top row Spanish fly, one of them. But there's so much that he can do that big men aren't supposed to do already. That why rest that? It's not like he's built the mod, A.K. Hugh Morris, where it's like at the end of the day you're just a fat guy with a moonsault. You know, like this is a guy who has enough talent where it's just like I, I looked at it and it was like, yeah, that was cool. Break that out every now and then. I I, I kind of want to miss it. You know, 
Like, I just kind of want to miss it for the time being. And especially when he's barely clearing it, because the next thing that comes after barely clearing it is not clearing it. Ask Brock Lesnar, who was doing that shit great when he was in developmental and OVW. And then when it was time for WrestleMania, it didn't work. You know? I don't know. You just can't be limitless and then be like, nah, I'm not doing that. I guess. All right. We'll see. Let's see. He has to handle it better. Yeah. Um, So then Drew McIntyre goes over. Uh, yeah, he basically uh, countered. Well, actually, it was kind of cool. Lee countered the Claymore by basically catching his foot, uh, tossed him down, picked him up into the spirit bomb. Drew hops off, ducks him twice, and then hits a nasty Claymore. Mm-hmm. Very good match. Claymore always looks really good. And then they just decided to send the virtual crowd home. Shit. Yeah, Goldberg's music hits. <sighs> That's why they can't keep know. to the side. They're probably gonna have one more run out of Goldberg with a title. I don't know. I don't know who keeps bringing him back, but I need that person to be taken behind the bar and shot. Stop it's it. even worse because we thought it was gonna be to continue his Roman Reigns feud, but nope, he just went in a different direction entirely. Wait, who thought that? We talked about it last week, didn't we, or the week before that they were eventually gonna be bringing back Goldberg for Roman Reigns, and we were worried about it. Oh, oh, oh you talking about Goldberg? I thought you were talking about Drew. Yeah, and it's like instead of continuing that from last year now it's like he's just going to the completely different brand which is fucking miserable don't think that i'm coming out here and i'm demanding anything by any stretch don't think that i'm coming and posing a threat no sir i am coming to challenge you and that at the royal rumble Alright, I didn't expect any of that. That's not what I said. I think you're trying to get inside my head. Everyone over there, including you, knows Drew McIntyre is all about respect. I'm going to put it bluntly. Think about yourself 20 years ago. That big, indestructible monster full of piss and vinegar taking everybody out. Think back. That's not you now. You couldn't be that guy. You couldn't beat me. Honestly, fighting you would be like fighting my own dad, mate. Now that's a hot burn right there. It would be like fighting on Oh, he pushed him. See, we get to actually, and that's where it ended. Raw ended right at that push, right? Yeah, he hit the ground, black screen. Did they add anything since? No, hold on. You see what I mean about how fucking lazy? We're so, gonna take a look real quick. I want to see if, if on YouTube did they continue the fucking segment? Oh, you know that you know they fucking didn't. Don't you waste your time? You know they didn't because you know why? They brought fucking Goldberg back. You think they're gonna have the? You think they're gonna have the confidence to actually continue the shit? No, they had to get the Stone Cold show right after fucking Goldberg. Right, but the live cameras were still going at the Thunderdome. We can hope. I don't trust them. I'm going to look now, guys, before we get out of here. Countdown to disappointment. Like, who the fuck asked for this old fucker? First, you know what it is? Drew's wrong. It wouldn't be like fighting your dad. It'd be like fighting your great-grandfather on his deathbed because that's about the mobility this old fuck has. Christ sake, you didn't learn when they fucking jobbed you out to Kevin Dash on your birthday, you dumb fuck. Nobody wants you here. Well, I'm looking at Raw clips now. Mustafa Ali is outraged by Raw Legends Night. I don't think that we need to see that, right? Retribution wasn't even on the show. No, that's probably why he's outraged. That's the same way Mustafa Ali was before Retribution, outraged. I'm looking at this clip now to see if it's longer on the YouTube version. This is pathetic that in order for us to bring content to their content, we have to dig. Maybe we should just stop bringing content to their content. They don't pay us for shit. 
we should be content with the content that we get. We should give the bare minimum with their shit, just like they do for us. Nope, the like YouTube I said, version. Oh wait, did they actually put something out? Let me see. A, a split second more. McIntyre gets back up and just gets back nose to nose with him. So pretty much nothing. He okay, pushes cool. up. They push up against each other, and that's it. Not nothing worth me wasting could, any could, more could, of could, time. Could have just gone off the air like that, but no. So yeah, basically by default they uploaded nothing. My point proven. Fuck this company. I know. I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm dead ass. Like at this point, I just feel like if when they give us the bare minimum on shit like this, they get the bare minimum review. It really does feel like the bare minimum, though, right? Like there was like zero effort for them they to do. They just thought we're gonna whip out the legends and everybody's gonna pop. And by the way, it's not even everybody popping; it's their piped in fucking audio. Yeah. <sighs> Man, I'm so glad I got Russell Kidd to watch tomorrow. No, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I I would have watched it already if we weren't here doing this uh doing this show. But I'm glad that we got to do it because we did get to cover Russell Kingdom, which is a yearly tradition for me. Oh yeah, you know, so. it is probably the best wrestling event of the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what match are you looking most forward to going into uh, the rest of this? Oh man, it's a it's a tie between. The never open weight championship match and the main event, because out of all the other card, the you know, the titles besides uh the heavyweight the heavyweight championship, the never open weight's always been my favorite for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's because some of my some of my favorite New Japan matches have come when that belt's on the line. Yeah, for me, it's always the main event, especially when, like I told you earlier, this could be such a huge upset. You know. Like literally, the, the the crowd is going home happy or devastated at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it's gonna be one way or another. And uh, don't forget, it, also Wednesday you got your special NXT. I know that probably doesn't have as much buzz. But... Yeah, it's just just New Year's Eve. It's the first time I've seen them plug it on Raw tonight. So, yeah, they actually plugged it. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're taking they're really trying to stick it to AEW. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up here? First episode of 2021? Nope, that's it. Another one in the books. Another one in the books. Absolutely. All right. Also, we didn't really celebrate it too much, but this was officially counts as the Finger Point of Doomsday episode. We didn't even talk about the Finger Point of Doom that's at all. True. You know, this was the Finger Point of Doomsday night. And instead of the Finger yeah. Point of Doom, you got the push on his ass. Overall, Berg, you got the board of the field. That's what you got. It's even worse than finger pulls of doom. Right on his fucking arse. Yo, I swear to God, I dare you, fuckers at Royal Rumble. I fucking dare you. Yeah. All right, I think we are ready to wrap up here, folks. Yeah. That being said, thank you to everyone who hung out for us for this nocturnal night of wonderful programming including our regulars in the chat room with Stasis Dreams and Willie V2, EB Gamer, George Z, King Quest, Silly Gnome, Ice Wizards, Violet V, Sino Thanks, Girly, Joint Effort, Nuclear Pigeons, Relic, Bloodluster, Silly Gnome, and of course all of you that have been listening across all of our platforms, including the podcatcher apps like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. 
iHeartRadio podcast addict and of course those of you that are listening on twitch.tv and facebook.com and of course talkbrunch.com ladies and gentlemen you have been listening to talk brunch live episode 430 hosted by yours truly rick dar aka captain brunch along with my co-host destin soul glow frazier we're out of here oh raw i hear you shut it down 